Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reduct Cephalo Podcast. That's the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. And we are part of the Dorkening and Denebriard Podcast Networks. And as always, we are brought to you tonight by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for. I am your host. My name is Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson. And with me, as always, are my two... Barely animated, but technically animated cohorts in Nintendo. I'm smarter than the average bear. And 8-Bit Alchemy. It's me, Godzuki. Wow, I got your name totally wrong. It's yeah, you did. All these steps. My name's <laughs> fucking Godzuki. This whole time. Oh my goodness, I'm so stupid. Uh, well, you know, guys, uh, I'm, I'm happy you guys are here. I'm happy I'm here too. I'm um, happy Joe's here. I'm happy Tim's here. We're I'm happy, happy Steve's here. We're all happy though. I, I feel confident in speaking for oh. all of that we are we are also joined tonight by a special guest, and that is uh one of our fellow brothers in dorkening arms, the velvet joker himself, Mr. Rich Davis from Splash Pages. Say hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. Oh, hey, guys. I mean, hey, guys. What's going on? See, now I'm super happy. I'm super happy freaking out. I'm blushing. That's because the uh, the Velvet Joker puts a smile on your face. There's a lot of happiness in the room. That's some good stuff. (laughs) But uh, as as Mr. Van Sampson, a.k.a. The Parasite, said, um, yes, I have my own show called Splash Pages that is also on the Dorkening Podcast Network. And uh, we uh, we do live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. We are both audio and video. You can check us out on YouTube. There is a Splash Pages site or on Facebook. We have a group, Splash Pages, a comic book club, which you are all welcome to join and uh, check out all the kind of nerd stuff that we do. And on our show, uh, we do interviews with uh, creators, um, actors, voiceover people. Uh, we recently had Mitch Whitfield, who has been uh, Donatello for the TMNT um, he was Barry from Friends. Uh, it was a great interview. You guys should definitely check it out. Yeah, he was, uh, yes. he was in My Cousin Vinny. He was he was the not Ralph Macchio. 
Correct. <laughs> they, 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 they were the tuna Steelers. They stole cans of tuna. Right. And uh, it, it was interesting. A question came up to him that day. They were like, oh, so um, have you ever signed a can, can of tuna? And he happened to have said where we had met him at Rhode Island Comic Con this year. Um, and he was like, that was the first year someone brought me a can of tuna. And he's like, I talked to my agent. He's like, we should totally buy like a case of tuna. And that would be like a great promo thing. <laughs> <laughs> seems like, uh, I don't know. seems like trouble to me. You're the uh, tuna, tuna man now. Just the logistics whip, of having whip a it, Whipping tuna across the con floor at your buddy's head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Have don't a tuna bazooka. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> just firing out. <laughs> We thought about t-shirts, but we thought solid cans of tuna would be safer. Solid cans of real <laughs> albacore tuna would be better. No it's chunk just, light bullshit. It's just easy. Real stuff. Yeah. You gotta get the you gotta get get it in the oil, not the water. The oil. The oil. Um, yeah. But uh yeah, well, hey, yeah, you know, I actually listened to that episode and I thought it was an awesome episode. And I think you guys have a great show. I've been on it uh luckily a few times and and had a great time every time. And it was cool meeting you and Drew at uh Terrificon. Uh eight bit and I got to meet you guys there for the very first time, even though we I are dwarves in arms. I too found it terrific to meet yes. you at Terrificon. Oh good. It's a terrific place. It was a terrific hmm. time. Yeah, it was happiness. There's terrificness, man. There's a lot of positivity on the show. Yes, it was a terrific time to be alive. <laughs> Absolutely, but hey, I'm I'm uh, thankful to be on the show. I appreciate yeah. Steve inviting me on, and uh, I love cartoons. I certainly grew up on them. I'm a, a child of the '70s. I, I I might be the eldest here of the crew at 51 years old. Uh, so uh, you know, I I I dug deep to the uh, to the 1960s. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we got. Nice. Yeah. So uh, uh, just so everybody understands. So like you actually picked this episode and it's funny because we actually so we're doing Hanna-Barbera, as everybody knows, because you already clicked on the thing. We always act like we were burying the lead when we give it away. It's I know. Like, I know. <laughs> right. It's like they fucking already know. Like know it feels weird for us, but like you're already here because you know why. Icon, we're... There's a name of the episode. Right. It's known. But so so this is Hanna-Barbera. Spoiler alert. Yes, Hanna-Barbera episode. Hanna-Barbera Revisited is this episode. And we uh, we did actually do an, uh, the wacky world of Hanna-Barbera back in season two, I believe it was. And we did the same exact format we're going to do tonight. We're just going to mimic the exact, exact format. And that means we are going to play, which we do sometimes, but we're going to do it tonight. We always love doing it and we always hear good responses when we do. We're going to play some theme songs for you guys. We have two blocks of theme songs. So we each picked two shows total and the first half of the episode is going to be the first block we're going to play the block and not tell you who picked what and uh and then we're gonna do an octoponder slap that bad boy in the middle there and then we're going to do our other block and share some more fun times and picks number number two picks number so two yeah picks. i mean but yes. you know there are there are an amazing amount of shows that hannah barbera I, I mean i think they had over like 400 shows they did over the course of history or some craziness i was going to look it up again we mentioned it in the other episode it's just an incredible yeah it's crazy and um the the thing the thing that i sort of uh just a couple factoids about hannah barbera in general uh so what i think it's william hannah and joseph barbera they both worked for mgm and they were both um they worked on the tom and jerry show and um the Tom and Jerry show, uh, if you go back and look, just like Looney Tunes and stuff, it's animated in the Disney way. So 
you know, every frame is the entire picture moving. Um, Hanna-Barbera sort of like figured out ways to cut corners so they could be like as frugal as possible and also create as much content as possible uh, for as little money. So it really was figuring out how to make animation cheap. And they did this a variety of ways. Um, some of it's obvious, other stuff I sort of noticed but never kind of thought about. But um, one of the things mainly is that it, you know, Hanna-Barbera pioneered the idea of we're only going to animate part of the body. So we're not going to draw yeah. like Tom and Tom and Jerry, you're not going to see a frame where they use the same head or this, the same body, but the head changes or just the mouth moves or something like that. Every single picture is different. And if you go back to those old Tom and Jerry's, like they really are really amazing. Yeah. Um, I was never as big a fan as like Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes is always like my favorite old stuff. But um, but yeah, in the in the like late 50s, Hanna-Barbera, uh, their first their first show was the Huckleberry Hound show. And they were they sort of started building that, you know, I call it like the Yogi universe of characters Either, where they all right. had the, same the picnic verse. Yeah, <laughs> the picnic verse. Uh, and uh or the Jellystone verse or something like <laughs> but yeah it's like all those yogi characters were kind of they, they looked similar and they had you know different ideas and then and then they sort of you know moved beyond that and they actually started um working with a guy that i'm going to mention uh again a little bit later i'll get his name for you here um sorry uh his name's alexander toth and he was a a comic book illustrator and cartoonist in the 40s and the 50s. And um, he ended up working with um, Hanna-Barbera and he ended up designing a lot of those pulpy sci-fi shows. That's why they sort of all had the same sensibilities, the same look, the same, you know, a very adult looking characters. They weren't like really super kidified. Like mm -hmm. there were always, you know, there'd be like a cartoon monkey that was kind of cute, but, you know, the main characters were in the villains were, you know, sort of, detailed and like well-drawn and stuff. So he actually worked on um, lots of stuff, including Space Ghost, Fantastic Four, the Super Friends, the Herculoids, Birdman, and even C-Lab 2020. But anyway, he did a ton of stuff. So that's Alexander Toth. And um, uh, yeah, he passed away in 2006, but um, he was a, a big driving force in what shaped the way that Hanna-Barbera, you know, their second second stage of what they got into when they they're like okay we have all these yogi bear types and then they moved into the the pulpy more adult looking stuff and so we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff we got shows from the 60s 70s 80s we're going to talk about today i think even maybe a 90s is going to get mentioned and uh and yeah let's 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 get right into it you guys ready to play some, some the first block of music yeah. yes oh, yes, yes. All right, let's do it now. And you guys, you listeners, the Retroids, you at home in the listening audience, you can try to guess as uh, which one is, is which host's pick. And we'll see if you're right at the end. How about that? Okay, let's go to the thing. Oh, 
Total destruction from mountain to shore. That was a thing. Wow. Wow. Can you guys I'll tell, tell you that we're doing wow. this in post? <laughs> wow, like, wow, 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 So definitely some classic nostalgia just rushing back and it's just a flood when you hear some of these. Uh, and I love that. I love the power of music and uh, also the power of scent, but it doesn't apply here. Also the power <laughs> of love. The power of <laughs> Uh, yes. Are you trying to say I didn't wear proper deodorant tonight, Steve? Uh, I believe you. I thought I was all right. I believe you just said that, Rich. I That's what I heard. All right, I'm mm. sorry. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, first, first uh, theme that we heard was the Smurfs. Uh, you can't, you can't not know la 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 la. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows those lyrics. That's oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Smurftastic. A dramatic oh. reading of the Smurf yes. song. Yes. Uh, la 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 la. <clears throat> la 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 la. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you guys picked or not. Maybe this wasn't as obvious, but this is my pick. Uh, so I'll start us off tonight. Um, and 
yeah kind of a kind of a little bit of a weird pick i guess it's it's a show that i think everybody knows but i don't really feel like has any super fandom like people grew up and they still love the smurfs i kind of think it it sort of stopped being popular here at least in america i know they have a very different um fandom around the world but um i always loved this show it was on for a really long time so the smurfs is a fantasy adventure comedy series ran for nine seasons from it was on my whole childhood that's incredible yeah i swear to god yeah i mean i was born in 79 and this ran from 81 to 89 for a total of 258 episodes but like hanna barbera often did their episodes were broken down into two segments so like short little episodes but they called them segments so in total the the little adventures the self-contained cartoons there's actually 425 jesus it's like a it's like dragon ball z it's like an anime right it's it's (laughs) right i mean you know granted they're 10 minute segments but right um because you'd have like you know pretty much 20 minutes of show and then 10 minutes of commercial per half hour kind of how we did it but um so yeah the smurfs they were based on the belgian comic books comic book series uh by the same name by uh cartoonist pale who also i did not know this served as story supervisor of the cartoon for and like all 258 episodes he was a story supervisor that's pretty legit. Pretty legit. Like, you they know, had the original creator come on and like be the, you know, essentially like say yes or no to stuff. Like yeah. that's pretty amazing. Back in the day before people even thought about cutting those initial creatives out of the equation, <laughs> I imagine. And right. then people went, I could save money if I ignore the original guy. Right. And and it's it's extra awesome because this guy lived in Belgium. You know, I mean, he's yeah, this is an American company. It's not like it's it's like, oh, yeah, right next door or something like that. Like this was this was the early 80s. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. So we didn't have Zoom. You could just hop on. So I don't know how they exactly worked, but I think that's really, really cool. I did not know that the original creator I, I've heard the name Peyo, seen his little signature. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I had no idea he worked on the show. Um, so basic, like my, what I liked about this show is that it was, and I talk about this all the time. You know, my favorite thing is like adventure shows. Right. So this was very much a kid's show, like a little kid's show. And yet it was one of those shows that didn't really, it didn't talk down to the little kid. So it was simplistic in the fact that all the Smurfs are these, you know, these little blue guys and they all wear white clothes and they're three apples high and uh, which, oh yeah, by the way, so supposedly they're three apples high. That's, that is lost in, that's a lost in translation thing. Oh, technically it is, it does translate into like three apples high, but it's a Belgium phrase that means like kind of small, kind of small. It's, oh, it doesn't okay. literally oh. mean you stack three apples together, and that's how. All right. I was going to say because they'd be kind of freaky if they were three apples high. Right there, yeah, like, like that's actually kind of big. Right. Not that big. I feel like there are two apples at best. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like three apples, especially like a you know good old you know big yeah. ass Macintosh, whatever. Oh, so, so we talking like? Would we say they're doozer sized? I think I've always felt that they're doozer sized, like. To a fraggle, if a fraggle is a human, right. I would say that they're about. I would say about two apples is pretty good, but they're supposedly <laughs> quote unquote three apples high. But that's it's funny. That's just a it's just a phrase. 
Um, well, I, I gotta say, uh, I remember that time and they were hot. I mean, not just on the cartoon, they were everywhere. Sheets, lunch boxes. I mean, it was like Disney-esque. It was everywhere. Smurf Palooza. And, um, and this, this was a show that even though it was done by Hanna-Barbera up to, you know, like we're talking about the fifties, the sixties, seventies, they had, they had their own sensibilities. They created Yogi Bear and then, or they technically Yogi is just like the more popular Huckleberry Hound was the first. So Huckleberry became the template for those characters. They had corners. They had revolting development. Uh, I think Huckleberry Hound was more like he was kind of like this. I think he was kind of uh, yo, not so much popsicle um, guy. Uh, all right, all right. I think he was like that. Um, I also workshop. got a workshop, workshop, and then Snagglepuss was like, exit stage left, heavens to <laughs> um, but those guys had a very specific design, like Bible, like what they were supposed to look like. Then we got into the 60s with the pulp stuff. Well, this was based on the look of the original comic. So that's kind of awesome, I think. Like the drawings look exactly the same. They're more simple, but they look exactly the same. The Smurfs are not like, like that CG Smurfs movie, those two Smurfs movies that came out, they really redesigned them. They had like big yeah. blue eyes yeah. and they looked more alive, more real or whatever they thought. And it's like, uh, yeah, but they, they don't look right. You know? Right, the they don't. Yeah. The cartoon looked exactly like Peyo's drawings. Mm -hmm. so i think that's really cool because it was not something that hanna barbera was known for they did them right they had their own art style so like to 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 adhere so closely to someone else's art style was a bit out of the box i think so yeah but i i think they deserve credit for it um but yeah this was definitely a property that was big and i know uh people might remember they had like little smurf uh figures they were like little rubber figures. They weren't articulated at all. They were only about an inch high. And um, those are so much bigger in all in other countries than they are here or ever were here. They, they like are, never stopped making this. Right. It's, it's right. like, you know, pops are now. <laughs> right. But they like never, ever stopped making they them. They got the Black Panther Smurf. Right. They got the Optimus Primal Smurf. Right. And they're not about being <laughs> characters. They're about like just it's a Smurf in a pose doing something, maybe interacting with a little object. Like, yep. oh, this one has a butterfly. This one's on a mushroom. This one. It's not like, oh, what's the guy in the mushroom? It does that's you're asking the wrong question. That right. guy doesn't have a name. He it's is guy smurf. in mushroom. It's just smurf okay. with the mushroom. Yeah. But the cartoon it's smurf with pearl earring. Right. The cartoon sort of made, you know, more characters. Uh pervasive they had like a, a a main cast and then there would be you know guys that were in very few episodes but there was just an immense amount of them over the course of those those uh eight years that they were or you know the nine seasons i guess nine seasons eight years i don't know how it worked out but supposedly that's what it was so i'm yeah. going to run down the list of a few of the uh of the main smurf characters um these like i said there's so many more than this, but obviously we start with uh, Papa Smurf. Everybody knows Papa Smurf. He's a powerful wizard. He was a wizard. There was, because there was magic and sorcery in this. This is actually a, a fantasy show in the like Tolkien sense. Or, right. Smurfs <laughs> could, could exist in memoir. I mean, they totally could. They totally could. I mean, they uh, didn't get a ring though. No, they, no. they could probably have made an entire like civilization in a ring. 
but like the smurfs are are small to hobbits which are small to humans it's like it's like the marble thing at the end yeah and in yeah. black it's not the hierarchy it's the lower archy you know mm-hmm. it's like the it's the apple archy the archy yeah. of, of of small things I don't know. yeah so papa smurf was the leader of the gang and he Everything was a else. powerful wizard and an all-knowing and kind and wise leader and like the father figure of all the Smurfs. And he wears red, distinguishing himself from the rest of them. And he has a, he has a short white beard and he looks very distinguishable from them. And uh, he's in every episode and uh, is, you know, he's, he's, he's great. Um, he calls them his little Smurfs. Oh, my little Smurfs. He, every, he's so proud of them at all times. Just, <laughs> That'd be like if I was like, oh yes, my little humans. Yes, yes my little <laughs> ah, Come to me, my small humans. <laughs> like, isn't that a little weird? Gather about my chest and breast area. And let me tell you a story. Come, let humans, me, uh, to my bosom. Let me rule over you in the most Smurfy way possible. <laughs> um... Then there is Smurfette. Everybody knows Smurfette. I think she's probably the most recognizable character after Papa Smurf. Um, so uh, fun fact, I don't know if everybody remembers this or knew this, but she actually was not in the first episode of the show. She is introduced in episode two and she is evil. She's actually created by the evil wizard Gar- Gargamel, who we, we, will, we will get to him. Gargamel um, yeah, is a Gargamel. bastard. And uh, he, you know, not Mark Hamill, no, Mark Hammer's good. Gargamel. Gargamel is a bad guy. Is um, she created from a rib? No, no. He uh, he just kind of threw a bunch of random like Harry Potter ingredients into into the cauldron. Sugar, and then, spice, and everything nice. I think he actually might have used one of those, but I, it was like one of them was like you know bat breath, you know that kind of stuff. Like right. Um, and he's throwing all this stuff, and he makes a. Uh, a living being whole cloth, which means that Smurfette is a homunculus. Oh, shit. Yeah, yep. A rid- OG why, homunculus. That is one of the reasons why I think that Gargamel was really an alchemist and not a wizard. Gargalcamel. There's there's numerous... I, I think they just use the wrong word. Right. I think they wizard meant... was like the easy word, mm-hmm. and they're like, that's what kids are going to know. Probably people would... Yeah, people would be able to digest no, there's, that. There's, there's a lot of evidence, but anyway, so, so he makes... Smurfette the homunculus and she has black hair and she goes to infiltrate Smurf village and she's supposed to you know basically be a siren and lure them back to Gargamel's and it doesn't work out she ends up like getting feeling and they're all nice to her and you know because she's the only girl they've ever seen it's weird it makes no sense but the I don't know it's it's parthenogenesis in reverse what what's what is it when it's only boys is that a thing I don't know I don't know what it I don't, is I, I they, think that's an all boys school it's sure. an, that's what it is if there are girl smurfs they they went to town they, they went wherever the entwives went they had a, Wait, they so, had a, so were the smurfs the incels of that day i think i think <laughs> half the no, the, they're the only cells right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um, but so anyway uh smurfette at the end of the episode turns up they make her blonde and good and she she's a good guy i don't know it's it's kind of weird it, it really is kind of weird um, yeah she hey, has high heels. I, uh, I don't know. Then there's uh, Hefty Smurf. Hefty Smurf is uh, pretty much. Uh, that's kind of, a name. Kind of the well, it's funny because you think he's fat. He's actually the strong guy. Right, right. It's like it's like the glad glad trash bags. Like it's hefty, yeah, hefty, he, hefty, hefty, hefty. Like he's strong guy. Right, right. Uh, right so right. Hefty is uh, is is strong because each each 
you know, Smurf on the show really is boiled down to one character trait. And that's what also what they're named after. And that's pretty much how they are at all times. There's no character growth pretty much. And uh, it's, it's very simple. And that's the more kitty aspect of the show. You're like, okay, I can get yeah. this. I can understand these guys. Very simple. But then they would have these big, big, big adventures. And that's, that's what I was going to get to before. But why yeah. do they call you dumpy? I uh, want to know. It's it's the junk <laughs> in my trunk. Um, so sorry. Let me let me get through this. So Hefty is strong. He is kind of the male hero of this show. He was in a lot of episodes, and he has a heart tattoo on one of his arms. That's how you know it's Hefty. Uh, then there's Handy. Um, <laughs> now, oh God, why do they call you Handy? Because he does all the jobs. <laughs> he, Thank Handy God, all the jobs. Handy oh. is the Smurf engineer. He can design, build, and fix anything and is recognized by the pencil behind his ear. I can't tell you why exactly, but this guy was my favorite character by far. Like, it is funny that he's, like, Handy. That is, like, oh, boy, that's a... I mean, hands, Handsy would I be know, worse, hand, but... <laughs> Handy, I, at least I, I could just stop being an immature adult, but... <laughs> I think I just... I think I liked his voice a lot, and I just really liked the pencil behind his ear and how he would be able to fix anything, and I don't know. I, Handy was my favorite. Then there's Brainy, who is just a big fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> God damn it, Sheldon. <laughs> he's, he thinks he's smart. And that's his whole entire character trait. But really, he's just an obnoxious know-it-all. Bra- Braggy, in my opinion, would have been a better name. He wears glasses. And uh, one of the run- running gags of the show is people would get fed up with him talking because he would never shut up. And then they would kick him so far oh that the camera, you would never see the actual violence. You would never see the hit. But you would you would feel it coming. And then they would show it to like an establishing shot of outside the village and you would just see like team rocket blasting off again. I was and just going to say like, it's the original <laughs> team rocket Team rocket. Yeah. Yep. And then he land in front of the camera and he would always dump on his head or land badly and his glasses would be broken and bent and stuff. And, and he'd say some line, he'd be like, uh, Oh, Kim, everybody's a critic or, <laughs> you know, like, like that. yeah, yes, I yep. do kind of suck. <laughs> a huge pain in the ass. Uh, then there's Clumsy. Clumsy is a little dumb, a little Southern, and pretty accident prone. But he's a nice guy, and he's often, uh, in later seasons, they paired him with Brainy quite a bit. Uh, Clumsy is always okay. just trying to help him. He just kind of sucks, and he's, uh, you know, but but he's a way better character than Brainy. I mean, Brainy's mm. just constantly annoyed with him, like everybody else is with him. Right, anyway, right, right. Um, so the only thing, I mean, you can you can tell it's it's clumsy. He has a a hat that's a little bit too big, so it kind of hangs down over his eyes just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not a big difference, but none of none of the, the traits are really that big a thing. Then there's Grouchy Smurf who hates everything. He doesn't really have a major uh, character like quirk, but he's always got angry eyes and he's usually got his arms folded. And if anybody is doing anything like we'd be like, Hey, Hey, grouchy, we're going to, we're going to do an episode of, of we're going to podcast tonight. You want to, you want to be on our show? And he'd go, I hate podcasting. Like whatever it was, <laughs> he hated it. That was his right. <laughs> he was like such a terrible character. That's why you got to say, Hey, 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 do you, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hate a bunch of shit tonight. And he goes, <laughs> ah, I no hate reason. shit. And he's like, oh, okay, well then, yes. nice dude. We're we're on the we're on the right track. Character. Like Grumpy Bear, <laughs> the Care Bears was the one that I always thought of with Grouchy because their their names are similar. They're a, yeah. you know, 
the characters are similar, but Gr- Grumpy Bear was a way better character. He was just yeah. kind of Grouchy right. literally said he hated whatever it was that was going on. Hate uh, is a strong <laughs> word, my guy. You cannot let that define you. I hate whatever it is. Um, he would fit right in on Twitter. There's he would. There's <laughs> yeah. Joke, he's the original incel. Let's let's be real. Uh, then there's Jokey Smirk. Smurf. <laughs> jokey Smirk. Smirk. The thing I have on my face right now is a Jokey, jokey Smirk. Smirk. He was the practical jokester of the village, always giving people exploding presents Diarrhea. and then laughing in their faces. Oh. <laughs> he would, he, he, and everybody would always fall for it. He'd, he'd show up with a big present. They'd undo the bow. It would explode in their face and their face would be covered in, in dark ash. And he'd be like dying laughing. And that was his entire character too. Their face um, was covered in strychnine and, and then they died. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, so two more, but, but kind of forced. So the Smurflings were introduced in season five, and this was when they introduced kids for the first time. Uh, the Smurflings were slouchy, natural Smurf. <laughs> oh my God. This is all natural Smurf. He was dressed. Gross. Was dressed. <laughs> Such a bad name. He just loved animals and nature and stuff, but what a terrible name. Yeah. Yeah. And the only one that really matters, Sassac. like just fucking say nature smurf for nature God's natural. And it's not yeah. what you're going for. So the the third one is the only one that matters, and that's Sasset. She was uh, she was the only other girl, and she had she was a tomboy. She had uh, like reddish brown hair and braids, and she wore pink. And she was in a lot of episodes. Major character going forward after season five, and in season six we got introduced to Grandpa Smurf, which I always thought was pretty neat because. He was actually supposed to be the previous Papa Smurf. So you get this idea like, oh, oh yeah, somebody is going to get chosen and become the next Papa Smurf. It's a okay. job. Yep. And, uh, he's very right. Gandalf. He has a long beard. He has glasses. He has a walking stick. And uh, he wears yellow. So most of the Smurfs okay. are white. Papa's red. He's yellow. Sasset wears pink for some reason. But, you know, that's 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 the main cast. And uh, of course, Gargamel, a.k.a. Gargamel, voiced by legendary Paul Winchell, who also did Dick Dastardly, who also did Tigger. Kind of a big deal. (laughs) So Gargamel is they, they say he's a wizard. Uh, but the only wizarding I've ever seen him do is like in the theme song. And you guys just heard it. And he has this line. I always love that. They, they echo. He's got like the, the good vibrato on. He's like, and he, what, the, what the line is, he says, ravage the land as never before total destruction from mountain to shore. And he's so bad. Yeah, sure, like, sure. Oh my God. Is he like, he's a, he's a God. Like, He's gonna mess stuff Holy up. Crap. This is, he's very, very, very powerful. Very intense. Very intense. Super intense. He's he never does anything like that in the show. Um, he's just kind of a hobo who lives with his cat and just plays with chemistry sets. I don't know. He's really he's really not much of a threat. Also, his his uh motives are are like ever changing. Like some he hates the Smurfs. That never changes. But sometimes, depending on the episode. He either wants to destroy the Smurfs, just kill them, just wipe Jesus. them out. For God's sake. So Other times he wants to eat the Smurfs. Okay. And that that I, re- I remember that. Yeah, he talks about it. And he's like, we will make a delicious Smurf soup or whatever. It's like, what? Dude, no. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with you? Go they they taste like chicken. 
Oh my god, they're little people, <laughs> it, you monster. It's like he thinks the Smurfs are like a resource in a video game. He's like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Do I kill them? Do I eat them? What do I, I got I have to do something with them. Yeah. It's like, no, just leave them. Just leave them. Uh and his third his third uh, aspiration was sometimes to transform them in, into gold, which I think is his best because of course it informs the whole alchemist angle. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. So just basically, he 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 wants to turn stuff into gold. He's got potions, the chemicals, boiling petri dishes. I don't know. What are the what are the flasks? The, the They're flasks. called flasks. They're all oh, the yeah those. <laughs> and uh, and of course, he, Erlenmeyer. He, he, I don't know. He did make the one homunculus at least. So he sure is frig did. I mean, yeah. God. did he have a philosopher's stone too? While we're at it. I, you know, he very well may have. That was there an like Ouroboros somewhere in his? In his I, don't you know, know. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think he was an alchemist. But yeah, so he, uh, he had a cat named Azriel, and Azriel uh, was voiced by a guy, and it was really annoying to just hear a man do a cat noise like constantly. Oof, oof. So many of the Hanna Barbera shows were like that. Um, right. So uh, I'll just end on on this note: the um, the music of this show. Uh, yeah, literally ending on a on a note of sorts. I like it. So, I like that. So the Smurfs uh, had a really cool soundtrack. It was notable for its frequent use of classical music as background uh, score and themes for particular events. Uh, sick needle drops include various works by <laughs> Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, Mozart, Stravinsky, Wagner, and so many more, like literally so, so, so many more. There is a list if you look up uh, the classical music in the Smurfs, you can find a list of all the songs even. Um, and it's it's pretty impressive. So it really had like, wow, it's like this is kind of classed up. They classed up the joint a bit, you know? Um, yeah. But anyway, it was a, it was a cool show. It uh, had characters that would come and go they had had pervasive felt it like it was a pervasive world like you're like oh especially in later seasons where they started to get further and further away from the village and it wasn't just always in the village it'd be like all right let's go on an adventure there's a thing over here there's a castle over there and they had characters that would come in and out and princesses and you know i don't remember any of their names that i it doesn't matter but like different characters it's cool it's like all right pervasive world right. yeah um, right they, they did enough to make it feel they lived in it not just like oh each episode yeah. has you know no bearing on anything yeah right and i i remember mentioning in a different episode that teddy ruxpin was like really really early uh high adventure with with solid world building um because you know ducktales was to a point but ducktales didn't ever go back to stuff that was the thing yeah like anything that happened in a DuckTales episode that wasn't like, oh, we're going to introduce Gizmo Duck permanently to the show. So, yeah, he gets to be in the show from now on. But from like episode to episode, there were very few characters that would really show up again. You pretty much just would, were, things were self-contained. But with the Smurfs and with Teddy Ruxpin, you would actually go and revisit locations and have new adventures there. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's over there. That's where it is. Kind of cool. Right. So I always like the show. It is for kids, but I haven't seen it in years. I did watch the Smurfette episode. It's called The Smurfette. It's episode two. Um, there are a few episodes on on YouTube. Um, so, yeah. Um, check out The Smurfs if you have no idea what it is, but you kind of like uh, adventure shows. Pretty cool. Oh, man. Nice. Oh. So uh, – I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the torch now to our uh who who had our second song. I'm I'm who not sure. 
I'm not sure. Hmm. Who could it have been? Is it you? We rich? know. I think rich. it's you, Rich. It was me. Oh, oh, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm not paying attention at all. What is going on? <laughs> Yeah, so, so uh, absolutely. So I was the second song. And nice. uh, so that was uh, for the Flintstones. Yes. A little absolutely. known show. You yeah, might have yeah. recognized the theme, it's possible. Somebody. Uh, I mean, Yabba Dabba Doo. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so the, the Flintstones, which of course. So far, was the, also- lyrics, the lyrics of both shows are just on point. La, yeah. la, 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 Yabba Da Badu. Yeah, I mean, how do they do? But that? I mean, you know, there's Flintstones. Where the Flintstones? You know, they they, 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 say, they say a few more words. I know, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll have a yabba dabba do time. A yabba do time. You'll have a gay old. You'll have a gay old time. A gay old time. I love gay old times. Yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, it. So obviously, the Flintstones was also produced by Anna Barbera. The series takes place in a romanticized Stone Age setting and follows the activities of the titular family, the Flintstones, and their next-door neighbors, the Rebels. It was originally broadcast on ABC from 1960 to 1966 and was the first animated series to hold a primetime slot on television. That's amazing. So it was on at night. It was the original Simpsons, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously developed by... Uh, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, voices of Alan Reed, uh, the great Mel Blank, yes. Jerry Johnson, Don Messick, John Stevenson, Verna Felton, Doug Young. Um, they had a, a lot of great guests over the years. Um, an episode I uh, ended up watching was about songwriters, and they had this songwriter on from the 30s. And if I could find my notes. Yeah, his name was Hoagie Carmichael. In the show and in real life, oh. and he was uh, he was a famous songwriter from the 1930s. Hoagie, huh. wow, Hoagie. He's also was the sandwich named after him. I, I don't think so. Okay. I think that has to do something with the Earl of Sandwich, but you know that that could just be a lie. No, well, the, you ho- know, the, the hoagie, the hoagie sandwich, right? The hoagie sandwich. Uh, but you know, the show follows the lives of uh, Fred and Wilma, their pet dinosaur Dino. Uh, later on, they have kids, uh, Pebbles, and uh, the neighbors, Barney and Betty Rubble, um, and they eventually don't have a baby, but they adopt a baby who was super strong, and his name was Bam, Bam, which is pretty Shots much all he, all he said as a child. Yeah. Um, so he, he was a Pokemon, basically, is what we're saying. Yeah. And uh, later on, they added Hoppy. Who was another dinosaur? Oh, the, the pet. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it was based on the honeymooners. Um, it's interesting uh, since it was a primetime show. They had um, the, the Flintstones actually had a commercial with like Winston cigarettes. So like the Flintstones oh, would be so advertising and smoking cigarettes in the commercials. <laughs> Better called them Flintstones cigarettes. Yeah, wow, because so uh, yeah, yeah, because at the time it was okay to advertise that on TV. Wow, have cartoon characters, not just like Joe Camel, which is a character they made for the cigarettes. He's a spokesperson, the mascot. Now we're going to use an actual existing cartoon character and have him sell our cigarettes. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then That's another nice. recurring character was uh, Mr. Slate, who was a uh, 
uh, Fred and Barney's boss uh, down uh, where they uh, were slinging rocks, more or less, at the quarry. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, it was just so much fun. But, boy, I watched two episodes, and wow, it's adult for kids. Is it? I yeah, some of the stuff, some of the dialogue. Yeah. Like, I caught some some Flintstones recently and was like, wow, okay. Right. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've discovered on the show now that I'm really bad at directions. So what I did is I watched two specific episodes, took episodes, like, sort of summarizing what was going on and then was going to talk a little bit about the show as a whole, but um, yeah, it's really interesting. In, uh, one of the episodes that I watched, it was called the Buffalo convention and uh, it's Wilma's birthday. And uh, oh my God, this is the episode I randomly saw. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, and, go, yeah, go for it, man. Okay. The, yeah, so, so, so Wilma and Betty are chatting about their birthday and Wilma's bragging. She's like, Oh, Fred will never forget my birthday. Because my birthday falls in the same year as the one time a year that the big Buffalo Lodge, their grand poobah comes in. So Fred never forgets my birthday. So then you flash to Fred and Barney and he's like, oh, I got to get a I got to get a present for Wilma, Barney. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And of course, they're in like a sports store. And that's like the one thing Wilma doesn't want. And like some scammy, like creepy looking guy is like, uh, hey, buddy. Why don't you come on over here and look what I got in the bag? <laughs> and uh, they look in the bag and it's, it's a dodo bird. And he's like, it's not just any dodo bird, though. It's a it's a bird that can talk. It's special. And Fred's like, I only got five dollars. He goes, that's the perfect price. Five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so he's all excited that he, he thinks he got this great gift for Wilma. And Barney's like, no, you didn't do not at all. Uh, he presents it to Wilma. She instantly smashes the cage over his head. Uh, so we got violence right away. Wife on husband. Um, and, uh, and of course, the bird doesn't speak. What a load of crap that is, huh? Yeah. So, he's, you know, it's like, you're like, is it a scam? What's going on? And then, uh, so then you flash to the guys. They go to the Buffalo convention and the head of the Puba. Buffalo convention goes, Hey guys, uh, what we're going to do is next weekend for three days, you're going to go to this convention and we're going to have like bathing duties and it's going to be great. You guys are going to relax. We're going to have party. We're going to have a great time. And he goes, I know that your wives are not going to like this. So what we're going to do is we're going to send our personal doctor to each one of your houses. And, uh, and he's going to say that you guys have this uh, disease and that you need three days of rest away from the house. Oh man! This is a load of barnacles. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so the so whatever they go back to the house. Barney and Fred are discussing it, and uh, and of course the dodo's there, and suddenly the dodo can speak, and he's like, "Yeah, doctor, we're going to the convention, bathing beauties," and they're like, "Oh no, oh no, <laughs> you son of a bitch, bastard." <laughs> uh, so, so ended me. Right. They try crackers, which which keeps the the the, the bird's mouth dry, which works for a little while, and then of course it doesn't work. And they're like, "Oh, what are we gonna do?" And they're like, "All right, let's just put the bird in the closet for a little while." And then this like fake doctor shows up, and they've already been discussing that he's like a plumber, but he's acting like a doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys have uh, cephalopeduditis," and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, you're, you, you guys I? have to go away for three days without your wives. You know, just you need rest. 
and the guys come out like they're all tired and whatever. And the ladies are totally on to them, but you know, they're playing along. And uh, so whatever, a couple days later, they go off to the convention and the wives, the dodo birds fills the beans. They know about the fake doctor. They know about where the convention is. They know about the bathing beauties. So all the wives show up at the back of the convention. Um, they're, they're, they quickly dispatch the bathing beauties. Uh, so we got some more woman on woman violence and uh, <laughs> they dispatched. An I don't feel like it's the oh bathing God. beauty's fault at all. No, no, they, they did nothing but, you know, try to get inside a big giant they were, cake. They were just hired. They were right. hired to do a perfectly normal job. Just get well, in the cake. You can't, I mean, you that's can't, what the script said. You can't just go the, by the script. You can't tempt, tempt the water buffalo, man. You know, there's consequences. Oh, and uh, so you skip to the convention. There's a huge cake and you think the bathing beauties are on it. Of course, they pick Fred and Barney to take the first layer off and reveal the bathing beauties. And of course, it's angry wives with like, you know, weapons and they're ready to let's, like kill their husbands. And the guys run <laughs> off. And then the dodo birds, they're like, they're at the boardwalk. They're jumping in the water. And finally, it just ends there under the water. Like, Barney, how long are we going to have to stay under the water? Like, we may have to do a world record. <laughs> and so, wow. It, it was just, to me, it was just so crazy because you got, like, these guys trying to get away from their wives, borderline cheating. I mean, really yeah. adult, adult content. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they're really talking about. <laughs> right. That's right. Like, this is this is the yeah. subject you chose for this kid's yeah. show here. <laughs> right. right. And it wasn't the honeymooners show. bang zoom to the moon. I mean, yeah. woo. Right. 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 Strange choice. But I mean, it was a classic. Everyone loved it. I loved it as a child. I thought it was yeah. remarkably funny. But now going back, you're like, wow, we would never <laughs> show this to children today. <laughs> no, that's right. Cool. Easy. I can't believe it's yeah. adult. I mean, I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I did watch it a lot for sure. And uh, I did like it. I thought the Flintstones were great. I don't know. I, uh... yeah, I don't know if you guys remember the great gazoo. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was like Batmite and uh, he had all kinds of powers. Right. And he was an alien and uh, yep. he'd always call Fred dum dum. Now wasn't, wasn't he voiced by uh, Harvey Corman? I believe. Oh, mm -hmm. I, you might be right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of yeah. comedic talent in there. Yeah. That, that was the thing. That was a, it was a hell of a cast. You know, everybody was just awesome. And uh, they weren't voices you felt like you heard everywhere. They were very, very good voice. Uh, it was a very good cast. It was a very good. Yeah. Cast. Right. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, just a classic Hanna-Barbera show absolutely had to be mentioned i'm glad you brought it up i think this you know with the smurfs and and flintstones we get like two ones i think at least everybody knows absolutely yeah. i mean yeah. and, and and true classic i mean i mean that's generational i mean i don't know anybody that doesn't know those right i mean i i grew up in the 90s yeah. and I, I know the smurfs and i know the flintstones you know and it's like very different uh you know age demographic but or, or like different, you know, era, but same demographic, you know, still ap applied. It was on Cartoon right. Network and whatever. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. And I didn't watch a lot of these things, but like I saw plenty of Flintstone stuff, saw plenty of Smurf stuff. It yeah. was in my childhood. It's very timeless, you know, transcendent. And, and now with the new movies, Flintstones, not so much. It's been a while. But um, the new Smurfs movies, it's like, I mean, there's definitely kids today who 
who are aware of them still At least aware of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very cool very, very nice cool. yes yes right. so uh if we move on from the flintstones thank you rich for that that was awesome great thank you thank you you're welcome um who who had the third song in yeah. that block i want to say it was me i want to say that you're correct i want to oh, say it was me I, it was you it was all me right, so, all right so what did you pick Aben? all right well uh you know in case you you didn't hear it uh up from the sea 30 stories tall Godzilla. <laughs> it's nice. like friggin uh you know it's it is the hanna-barbera godzilla show from 1978 um this is not oh, a show yeah. that I knew about until very recently, and I'm glad that this episode gave me a chance to go and check some of it out. I'm, you know, a big Godzilla fan. I love me that, uh, you know, atomic breath, breathe-in lizard, but I had never known about this, never seen it, and it's kind of amazing because you have an American animation studio doing, you know, this fairly, I, I would say, fairly long running for what it was two seasons and 26 episodes is nothing to sneeze at plenty of mm -hmm. things got a lot less um but it was uh you know kind of kind of amazing you know it wasn't it wasn't just an english company translating a show from japanese you know like like you know trying to dub it over it was made right. by Hanna barbera right. and it was for america and it was really cool um so it it, it aired uh, on NBC in 1978, and it had the Godzilla Power Hour title, um, and it was paired with another show. Um, the The show itself actually had kind of a lot of a lot of attempts at like what exactly to 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 kind of do with it. It was it was first the Godzilla Power Hour with half hour episodes of that show and Jaina of the Jungle. And then it uh, it became the Godzilla Super 90, where it was like a 90 minute block where they added Johnny Quest to it. Then they tried to do, they just called it Godzilla and just gave it like its own uh, half hour slot. And then they turned it into Godzilla in the Globetrotters Adventure Hour and then the Godzilla Dynamite Hour. I mean, they, they tried to pair this friggin show with so many things over the years and it's just kind of funny it's like wow jesus you know they i i think what they were feeling was that godzilla was a was a draw and that i don't know maybe they were trying to be like let's try to get this other show some attention because we're pairing it with godzilla um so what or it might have been the opposite i don't know what year did this run what years so 1978 to 79 was the original run and then they they were doing all kinds of weird you know goofy shit trying gotcha. to pair it off up until the uh 81 um so that's that's interesting like you know as a godzilla fan as a, as many of us are um so that's right at the end of the original era of films mm -hmm. um i think that the final uh final film of the showa era the original films was uh, terror of mecha godzilla and i believe that was like 76 77 ish i feel like okay uh, i could be wrong about that i think it's right about there um so that was right basically when this was probably in production right and then they stopped making movies until uh the 84 yeah right yeah godzilla 84 was the big return and, yeah, it was 85 yeah. here but it came out a year earlier there yeah and uh and then that kicked off the second uh, era of Godzilla. But I think that, you know, th there was that weird, you know, seven or so year period, mm -hmm. 
seven, eight year period where it was like, hmm. Right. Yeah, this uh, this is not really popular. We're not doing anything with this. But right. It's just dormant. It was a cartoon. It was under the ocean. Obviously, right? it looked very different. I, I always wondered if it was because they weren't allowed to make him look. I wondered that, that too. If the likeness wasn't the part likeness of the deal. Was. They're like, right. look, it's a big green dinosaur. No one's going to be questioning which one's Godzilla, but right. we're just not able to make it look that Godzilla. -like. Right. Because like the real Ghostbusters, that's what happened with the real Ghostbusters. Yes. As yep. a kid, I never understood it. It's like, really? why do all the Ghostbusters look so completely different? Right. And um, and in yeah, so I, I I don't I don't know. I wonder if it was yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the show the show actually would eventually just be called Godzilla: The Original Animated Series, uh, given a retro nim, which was a cool word that I found uh, for its DVD release. Um, okay. So it was never actually called that when it was airing but for dvd it's got the original animated series and uh, just to get into the show a bit um the series follows the adventures of a team of scientists on a ship called the calico a hydrofoil research vessel headed by captain carl majors the rest of the crew include scientist dr quinn darian her nephew pete darian and her research assistant brock borden um also along for the ride is the the character that needs some introduction Godzuki. Uh, you might be like, you know, yeah, who? Um, so Godzuki is the cowardly nephew of Godzilla, <laughs> which is not a dude. character, not a character archetype that we were all longing for. Like, you know what Godzilla's missing? <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. He needs a cowardly nephew. I think that would really round him right. It really round him out, you know. We tried, we, you know, they tried Minya, you know. People didn't really like him. You know? I think, I think Godzuki, I would take Godzuki over Minya 10 out of 10 times. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I mean, this is way, way fucking better. And that's saying something because Godzuki sucks. But <laughs> Minya is so awful. Holy goddamn. He's the would, ugliest thing I've ever seen. I would watch Gabra beat the shit out of him every time. I don't. I care. would rather stick my head up a bull's ass and look around inside <laughs> for the rest of time. Nothing in there is going to be uglier than freaking Minya's face. I do love how shitty Minya's voiceover was, though, in the movie. Just oh, I don't know. Maybe we should go over there. It's like the guy was like barely <laughs> saying any legible words, legible, <laughs> audible, whatever. Anyway, now, uh, Godzuki. Am I am I remembering correctly? Um, Godzuki just was able to blow smoke rings and was often choking. Yep. Yes. So Godzuki could not breathe fire. He would try. He would just like cough out and you know blow smoke rings. His his very limited extent of powers was that he could kind of fly. Like he had wings under his arms and he would fly around and and stuff in the episodes. He couldn't fly forever, but he he would fly a bit. Um, but honest to God, like his main function was the Godzilla phone. Like he just literally was the plot device <laughs> right. they needed to call right. Godzilla. Right. Like we don't oh need God. you here, Godzuki. You don't yeah. offer a goddamn thing, but we do need Godzilla. You so don't offer you, a Godzuki thing. Can you can you just get Godzilla? Like just do that. So um, every episode of this show. Now I I should preface this by saying. I genuinely enjoyed my time watching this show. I, I, I only intended to watch like two episodes and I watched like 10. Um, and I just ended up kind of falling into like a comfy zone with it and being like, yeah, I could watch one more. Yeah, I could watch one more. And I don't know. I was like, I'm like, I'm, I'm having fun. It's just not actually great. 
Um, but every episode essentially involves this this cast of the calico, like dealing with some kind of problem. They find out about dealing with a monster that's causing some big issue, or they're trying to go. You know, they're like a, a scientific vessel, so they're kind of just like in examining stuff, and they stumble upon you know some some mystery, some shit going on, um, and and they just like the episode as soon as as soon as issue happens, it's like. What is shortest route to acquiring Godzilla in this episode? Like, like how fast can we get Godzilla? Because that's all it boils down to. It's like the people do the scouting and they're like, okay, all right. Yeah, no, pyramids are cool. Yeah, I've heard of Atlantis. Oh, okay. They're having some issue with electrical waves in town. That doesn't seem like my problem, but okay. And then as soon as a monster shows up, it's like, what the fuck? Where's Godzilla? Right. We got, you guys got Godzilla? And, and so it's like, it is a combination of the character Pete Darian, who is like, uh, I. it's crazy. Like Pete and Godzuki are both terrible, but somehow they didn't break the show for me, but they maybe should have. Like Pete is just that wicked high-pitched nasally child character archetype of constantly wanting. I'm not going to do the voice because it's just going to be like pain, but um, it's, it's like that very high-pitched <laughs> whiny kid voice, always bitching. And you're like, God, what? And, and then he can talk to Godzuki and get Godzuki to call Godzilla. So there are two necessary Godzilla phones in the show because nobody can talk to Godzuki except for Pete. But Pete's a stupid kid. So he's not offering anything. Pete's he's a stupid just, pain in the ass. He's a stupid pain in the ass. So he only can talk to Godzuki. And the only goddamn thing he has to tell Godzuki is call Godzilla. Go get the good one. So, you know, they really engineered two useless ass characters to just acquire Godzilla. And in one of the episodes, there was a device that they lost. (laughs) Right. Right. There was a device to call him at one point. Yeah, there 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 is. Yeah. So so there's a device as well that they can use. Um, It's it's like it it is always boiling down to that. It was funny, though, because in that episode, it was like, oh, shit. Uh, the only thing that can solve our problems is Godzilla, but we lost the only way to call him. Oh no! Now we have a new problem to solve. Hey, hey, dipshit! Hey, talk to your yeah. dinosaur and have him have him call Godzilla anyway, alleviating the whole issue, and it's, oh. it's completely fine. Okay. Okay, dipshit. And then like, <laughs> it, it's like, why did you bother ma- like manufacturing this issue? Like, you could have yeah. just had Pete do that, or right. had the thing right. work. It's so weird. It's like, no, we, yeah. we had tension for one <laughs> second. Right. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, no, man. How did Godzuki call him? I don't remember how he called him. Godzuki can speak Godzilla. So, so I mean, Godzu- Godzuki would just turn around and be like, <laughs> and then Godzilla would show up. And, uh, and it's crazy because, like, the whole rest of the episode, Godzilla, Godzuki essentially communicates in what I swear to God. Truly honest to God only sounds like bathroom grunts. Like it sounds a hundred percent of the time like he is struggling to take a shit. Oh, it's like it's at like all Yoshi. times. Yoshi but, it's like, but it's like brown Yoshi. Like I don't I mean, know what to Yoshi say about it. Comes in brown, I think. <laughs> he does. He sounds like he's always trying to squeeze one out. Yeah. But Godzuki's more like, ah, ah. and it's like, dude, your face is turning red. Like you are trying to crap. Um, it's ridiculous. I'm like, what a weird sound, like voice to give this dude. So, so he turns around and he has to, you know, 
just grunt into the ether to to get Godzilla to come out. And Godzilla is like always conveniently right fucking there. It's not like he has to travel from <laughs> any distance or too. anything. Godzuki's just like, hey, Godzilla. And then Godzilla's like, hello? Like, bloop, immediately I, five <laughs> feet away. You're like, wow, that was and I love, great. I love how, like, I mean, it, it happens in the movies, too. But it looked dumber. In the show. And, <laughs> and I, I don't want to shit on the show because I actually... No, like I, I, I do. I had to preface um, this because like, I but, do like this show. But when... When Godzilla would stand up in the water, he would literally just stand up in the water. Like, <laughs> right, it's like it's like is the sea floor like covered? right there? Yeah, right. Like, there's there's where did you come from, sir? What are you standing on? Like, right, because they wouldn't show it show Godzilla coming up a slope and gradually in the middle of the ocean. Right, it's like Godzilla's just been laying like six inches submerged the whole time, and it's just like <laughs> okay, bloop, right? Ooh. I'm ready. I was, I was just right under there. No, nope. um, oh, no, you need something. <laughs> So, so that I thought was really funny. Um, Godzilla does not have atomic breath, uh, just breathes fire. They specifically say, like, Godzilla breathes fire. Uh, and also he has laser vision, which is like, sh- sure. I don't know he why shoots, you need like that, too. Like, why not? Right, he, has, he, has, he could shoot lasers and also fire breath. Because it's like, because the original radioactive laser breath needed to be two powers now. Maybe they couldn't use that. And that was their solution. It's a weird thing to change. Cause it's not like they gave him a a non-violent power of like Mm -hmm. wind or something. It's like, he's still burning motherfuckers. Like that's not better. So why would you change it? Um, I wonder because the 1970s, everyone was scared of nuclear bombs and that was really big. So maybe they didn't want to, exposed to kids right yeah i mean you it's know, very I mean, possible that's that's godzilla's whole entire point of it being. is if you yeah, yeah if you know the movie the original movie yeah, yeah original totally movie yeah i mean it was just uh, all about that but you know yeah. um interesting i yeah so i actually hadn't ever watched this show until we were doing this episode and i got to see two episodes i saw the first two and i i really enjoyed them both um i thought it was pretty cool even though neither of the two monsters that feature it featured in those episodes got named <clears throat> not really they didn't have like names like you know the movies named yeah them. right right they all yeah. have names. these yeah. are just like oh it's a smoke monster oh it's a digging monster oh right. it's a the magnetic monster right but the first the first monster is clearly a riff on rodan mm-hmm. but they just call him i think like the firebird firebird yeah but yeah the he's kind of the first instance of rodan being linked to a fiery you know erupting volcano right the original rodan wasn't fiery but then they they made him fire rodan later in the 90s yeah so yeah this is almost in a way you could say like the soft launch of a of, of, of fire rodan of fire rodan yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean it's 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 interesting because when going into the show knowing so little about it i wasn't sure who to expect right. to see in the show i'm like i don't know is this super referential or like no and the re- and the the truth of it is no it's it's actually not super referential it, it pretty much just forges its own trail with mm-hmm. all the different monsters i mean like steve said the first episode had like a rodan-esque monster um but like the bunch of other monsters i i saw and i think they're pretty neat for the most part um there's like this underground monster that eats earth there's this like episode where they fight these two stone lions that breathe they breathe wind so cold it can like freeze you instantly to death it's like insane freeze a bro 
can freeze a bro to death. And oh then there's like God. this weird Triceratops plesiosaur hybrid called the Megavolt monster that's like awesome looking. Um, and then there's what I figure like the undersea Hedora. They call the seaweed monster, but it's just kind of like this amorphous mass of seaweed that can change its shape and stuff like that. So like that guy's cool. Um, and the last episode I remembered really liking the monster was this one, this monster in like the arctic caps that's feeding on magnetic waves and it kind of looks like a blue gamera with like bigger teeth hmm. um but yeah i mean they they did a good job you know making monsters that are different and and fun to watch them deal with better mm -hmm. than others um but yeah i don't know i mean i i think like it's a it's a show that has a good pacing to it like you get through the story at a good enough clip that like the annoying hokey dialogue and you know the stupid process of like okay pete tell godzuki to call godzilla yeah just mm -hmm. do it um it, it is fun and you're you know you're getting this adventure along the way there's plenty of ish you know ep episodes where like the captain just gets called out um because you know he did something like oh carl oh carl and it's just <laughs> like like you hear a lot of the same tropey dialogue you know, it's like that era yeah. of TV where they would rely on like the same exact phrasing and shit. Yeah. But uh, I, it's fun. It is really mm -hmm. honestly fun. It, it is like uh, it is a cool piece of Americana cartoon, you know, and and how it ties into Godzilla is just really just kind of singular. It is not something that happened very often. So it right. was very fun to watch this. Right. And uh, and I, I feel like before I send it off, I have to say the music was composed by, who am I going to say, Steve? Hoyt Curtin! Hoyt M. Effin Curtin! Hoyt Curtin, now mentioned 12 times on the Retrodoctopus Cephala podcast. Damn. He's our right. friend. We love Damn him. Right. <laughs> he is our friend. We're big uh, but yeah, I mean, that'll do it for Godzilla. But yeah, I... I I actually really recommend checking it out. It's on YouTube. It's, yeah. it's a cool watch. It's funny. Like both Godzilla cartoon shows are actually quite good. The one in the nineties based on the movie that everybody yeah. hated mm -hmm. is a great show. It is pretty um, good. Yeah. I just wanted to mention one thing. I think it's ironic as you were talking about the way that every episode is structured. It sort of made me think. Um, so, you know, the whole idea of like the humans discovering the problem and then just needing Godzilla to show up for five seconds at the end. You know what that reminds me of? That's um, that is Ultraman. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Which is funny because uh, Ultraman mm -hmm. was Godzilla's uh, number one, like rating foil. foil. The arrival, yeah. You know, yeah. for ratings because uh, he Ultraman became more popular than Godzilla in the sixties, um, and that is how that show would go you would just see ultraman for five seconds at the end pretty much um and he would solve the problem you know they would fight they would try to fight the monster and then they would fail every single time the humans yeah because they're just pathetic humans right <laughs> and uh then ultraman shows up at the end saves the day and the show's over that's every episode so it's just kind of right. funny that they went that direction with the Godzilla show. They're like, yeah, let's do Ultraman with Godzilla. That's what it is. Hey, Steve, when you, when you mentioned Ultraman, um, I immediately think Godzilla. And also I think of uh, also uh, Shogun Warriors. And the interesting thing about the Shogun Warriors is they were like 300 feet tall, but they had no knee joints. Did <laughs> Ultraman have knee joints? He did. He did. He yes. did. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ultraman's from the land of light. So they have all sorts of joints in the land of light. 
they just don't have in, inner organs. All right, all right. I got to check. You know, these are interesting nerd facts that people want to know. <laughs> they're just basically. Uh, I think they're just basically suits filled with like celestial energy. Pretty much is what the ultras are supposed to actually be. Yeah, there's no, there's yeah. no human. There's there's nobody underneath that suit. It's just like gotcha. a bag full of like if you like if you went up to magic. right if you went up to Ultraman and tried to grab his butt just just hand to air. Oh, I mean it's probably firm as shit. Really? It's probably firm as shit. Yeah. How hard is that energy? Well, think about a Macy's Day parade balloon, and you go up and grab that thing's butt. It's gonna. But be it does. It doesn't give you the good good grabbins. It just it's just a handful of air. Um, if you can't even grab it. I've never tried yeah. to grab a parade float. Yeah, so you should not even talk about this. You have no experience. You don't know what you're talking about. Honestly, Ultraman might have a great ass. That's all. I, I really don't know. <laughs> unlike, unlike myself, I've I just grabbed the ass of every balloon I see, and then it goes like this. <laughs> so uh, every time you grab it. So Nintendo, you want to take us home with uh, sure number one. Yes, so by process of elimination, mm-hmm. I am the last pick, mm-hmm. the last theme song that have you heard, mm-hmm. and uh, that is the Partridge Family 2200 AD. Why, does this <laughs> Why is this a thing? I do not know. Who greets us? <laughs> I had no idea this was a thing. Wow, wow. Me I knew there was a Partridge Family, but a Partridge Family 22 AD. No, I'm not <laughs> aware of this. Oh, this is insane. Yes. It's well, this show, this show aired after uh, the live action show ended. So it, it started on September 7th of 1974, and it only lasted for 16 episodes because the show was that terrible. Um, so the last episode was December 21st. Merry Christmas. Uh, I I don't understand why they would make a show of the Partridge family in the future. There is In the show, there is no reason why they're there. There's no explanation <laughs> to like why they're in the... <laughs> In, in the future, I bet they had a in the not too distant future, it's probably a talk. The show is just terrible, it is so bad. But basically, yeah. it's just the Jetsons, oh, with the Partridge family, mm. but okay. a million times worse. It but is so bad. What's stupid is that it's like, hi, yes, we hi, the creators of the Jetsons here, let's try to come up with another show to one up the Jetsons, like. Right. I don't think you needed to do that, and this isn't the way to do it. Well, they funny you mentioned that they kind of did try to do that. This is supposed to be a spinoff of the Jetsons, where Elroy okay. was a is a teenager and going to college, and Judy becomes an ace reporter, and and the the guy who ran CBS was like, "Nope, no one's going to watch that. Nope, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it." But we will do a cartoon based on the Partridge family and make it in the future. <laughs> oh, oh, I that see. will no. work. <laughs> I thought I thought what you were gonna say is that that was also gonna have the Partridge family. So okay, so they were just gonna have like a sequel show. It was gonna be a sequel show, like a spin-off gotcha. show. Gotcha. And then, the, and then the guy the guy who was running CD was like, No, gotcha. fuck that. Fuck That's that. so crazy. There's That's no way crazy. we'll do an in-world tie-in. Let's do this dumb other random partridge family. Well, I remember there and, you know, Rich, please, uh, you know, jump in on this. I remember there was a show that was a spinoff like that of the Flintstones, because I remember there was a show with Pebbles and Bam Bam as Mm -hmm. grown or like like teenagers or something. They they had a rock band. 
Okay, yeah. I don't remember what that was called, but I do remember it that. It's ex- called the Pebbles and Bam Bam show. Yeah, oh. yeah, I remember that. Yep. So they had already fucking done it with the Flintstones, and this guy's like, no, it'll never work with the Jetsons? Right. That's insane. What a, what it is a crazy. Point. It is so crazy. Um, of course, no, they what had a, a, ro- a robot dog. There was a robot dog, you know, trying to sound like a human. It was just oh, so fucking bad. Wait, what and, have these episodes have been about? It's about nothing. It's about this family <laughs> doing random shit, doing like everyday random shit, and then eventually at the end of the show, they play one of their, their hit songs, yeah. just like in the live action shows. Like, it's mundane bullshit. Like, how how is this supposed to work? Like, why do you think people would actually watch this? Because the Jackson 5 is hot, and we're going to try another band. Yeah. Right. It's so bad. One of the episodes I watched was called uh, Cousin Sunspot. Sunspot is the cousin of the Partridge family, and Sunspot is his actual name, which is kind of dumb. And he's this southern dumb guy with a chicken on his shoulder. And the whole point of him coming to see uh, his relatives is because he wants to be a part of the group. And he's like, oh, I can say the chicken I have been you know, practicing and whatever. And then so they're like, OK, cool. <laughs> Instead of auditioning and hearing how you sound, we'll just throw you right onto the stage with us. OK, awesome. So the entire purpose of the episode was trying to get Cousin Sunspot to learn how to sing. And they just could not do it because he sucked. So he was just hardcore. too bad. He He's was unteachable. So, bad. so unteachable. So there's this character, I forget his name. It was, a, it was a, uh, a scientist. And he invented something uh, that would help him sing. So he goes into this, this box, kind of like a, an iron lung type of thing. But it's like a, just a box and his head is sticking out. Uh, so him and the chicken go in there. And... Crazy shit happens, and then you know the guy comes out, and I don't want to. Like, okay, know he's okay. Okay, cool. He can sing, but where the hell is the chicken? Like the guy comes out, but you see the chicken feathers on the ground. It's like what the fuck mm. happened? So basically, what this machine did was kind of, was kind of like the uh, the fly type uh-huh. of thing, mm-hmm. where he would just turn into the chicken and just oh, fucking God. cluck, 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 and just want to fucking bang your head against the wall it was so annoying i th- this is this is so bizarre i it's the, it's i've the, never heard of this show it's thank I you i do for, not recommend it that, well, but i think because i think i wanted to mention it because no i want to warn people not to watch the show it's really bad oh the, the laugh tracks are like the absolute worst viewers beware viewers beware the laugh tracks are my god's like the like the worst moments to use a laugh track they fucking did on the show like, <laughs> just, the, like the, the dumbest thing like oh hi mom insert laugh uh, track here uh, ha, ha, like, oh what are you doing today uh so what, what are your plans for, for today insert laugh track here it's like why is this funny is this was that supposed to be funny was the delivery supposed to be funny they're like, like if what? we just play the it's, laugh it's track just, non-stop someone will enjoy this is so bad Oh, just do not watch the show unless you really want to you know, torture yourself. Nintendo, <laughs> I have to watch the show now. I have to see how bad it is for myself. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna survive the uh, you're not gonna get your money back five five you, seconds. It's so survived. bad. I did. Uh this is this is super fun. I'm a glutton for Joe, What was the name of that character that you were you were talking about? The country guy with the chicken on his arm? 
Uh, that is um, sunspot. sunspot. Sunspot, yes. Sunspot, yes. Sunspot sounds like he's the Scooby Dumb of the oh, Partridge right. Family. Yes, yes. Because you would see that a lot with Hanna Barbera shows. They would just do riffs on the same idea, variations same on a character thing. again and again. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you yeah. know, how many how many pairs of boy girl twins had a talking monkey? I mean, there's at least two. Yeah, uh, right. you know, it's it's so weird how they would do that, but you know, they have a talking dog. How many talking dogs do we have? Astro, like, Scooby uh, Dumb, Scooby Doo. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, obvious this this robot one. I don't know. It's like there's so many of them. talking yeah. dogs. They just it's a crutch. And they uh they all yeah. have the R problem. You know, the R lisp. Right. Yeah. Well, because that's how dogs yep. actually talk. You know, that's yeah. That's they actually they <laughs> actually can't say they say R. say bark. Or, yeah, or, or, or I mean, they can or, only say R's. What am I saying? That's or, R is everything. It's like the Smurf of the vo- right. vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> 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 um, <Come> on, Shaggy. <laughs> All right, so Partridge Family 22 AD. So that's this year, 22, oh, 20, 2200 AD. Oh, 2200. Oh, thank not, not god. 20, not tw- not 2022. We got a way to go. <laughs> Parcher's family, the year 1992. Joe, where did you find episodes of that? Was I, think I, I think I may just have to um, torture myself one time. Uh, YouTube. Can YouTube I get a torture right. one time? Yeah, YouTube. Torture one time. Nice. That's how I watch awesome. most of these shows is YouTube. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for that first block. I hope everybody out there in listening land enjoyed it. We're going to move right along so we don't end up with a three and a half hour episode. Uh, It is about that time that uh, we are going to take a short break. But before we do, uh, we do have a little something for you to ponder. Ponder, that is. We posted this question to all you fine Facebook peoples. And uh, when we get back, we'll be reading answers and uh answering it ourselves the question is octoponder this folks there have been many live action and cgi movie reboots of old hanna-barbera cartoons such as scooby-doo the flintstones josie and the pussycats the smurfs and yogi bear and many others what what the question is octoponder this what classic cartoon series would you like to see a big budget movie of and it doesn't have to be Hanna-Barbera. It could be any cartoon at all. The point is you're going to get a big Hollywood blockbuster movie and uh, it could be anything you want. So uh, why don't you octoponder that? We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Hello and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That strange show. Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews, The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a fucking city. Secret underground hideouts. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. 
For more information, check out thedorkening.com. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award-nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Patsy, the angry nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we, and we will, will see, see you next, next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Attention, this is the last skeleton of Cadavra, and you are listening to Rancho Notorious. No, wait, no, that's Retro Redoptopus. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo honor this. Welcome back aboard, everyone. Before we took a break, we asked you, what classic cartoon series would you like to see a big budget Hollywood movie of? And it can be any cartoon. It doesn't have to be Hanna-Barbera at all. Uh, this week, I am going to start with our guest, Mr. Rich Davis. What do you think, man? What, what movie would you like to see? Well, um, I, I stayed right in the venue of Hanna-Barbera um, okay. just because that was top of mind. So uh, I chose two. Uh, in the superhero genre, I would love to see uh, Birdman. Movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked, uh, you know, he, he kind of got instructions from like a uh, like a box or a computer, and he was kind of part of this justice enforcers type, you know, organization. Right. And, it almost had like a so, James Bond sort of. Yeah, feel. it was a little James Bond esque, and, and yeah. eventually there was a young Birdman. He took someone under his wing who had metal wings versus his who had feather wings. And uh, I just really, uh, I, I dug his character. I dug that, you know, he was, he was, he was a serious superhero. He was not the joke that uh, was later made of him on Nick at Night um, as Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Right. Um, he, right. Was, he was serious. And my second one is a more fun one. I'd like to see in the genre of like the new King Kong movies. I'd love to see a grape ape movie. <laughs> just okay. imagine King okay. Kong, but purple, like grape ape. And he's got his little dog buddy that's, you know, right. Beasley Beasley. And they're just, they have adventures, you know, roaming, whether it's the forest or, you know, occasionally they'll come into a big city. Yeah. You know, they, they got business to do. And uh, yeah, I, I think that would be a totally fun and uh, interesting thing to write. I, I, I could see like a great comedic, um, maybe like a James Gunn doing that or, <laughs> uh, or perhaps uh, our buddy from Deadpool. Um, 
uh, as a writer on that, I think that could be really Ryan interesting. Reynolds? Yeah, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Great babe. Great babe. I remember every time in that show, somebody would see him, they would be so, so afraid and they would be stricken and their like eyes would bug out of their head and they would all say the same thing, which was, Rich? I don't remember, so. <laughs> you don't, you don't so, remember? Uh, <laughs> they would always say, oh, gorilla, la, 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 la. Oh my God, I don't remember that at all. That's hilarious. <laughs> which is so weird because he's so much scarier than a gorilla. He's yeah. 50 feet tall. Like, yeah. you're. And he's you purple. King, right. If you saw King Kong, would you be like, a gorilla? No. I'd be like, that's a ginormous goddamn gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Big, big thing. Big, scary. Big, bad. Big thing. Yeah, um, big, giant, bad. Giant gorilla. Giant. Yeah. All right. Awesome picks, Rich. Thank you for those. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alchemy. You want to go next? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so the show I picked also stays into the Hanna-Barbera verse, the picnic verse, as we call it. Um, and this <laughs> is the show Fish Police. It's already cut on. Uh, Fish Police was a Hanna-Barbera show from the 90s that was based on a comic book and it was essentially uh, uh, Water Meets Dick Tracy I mean I I don't I was trying to think of something clever but to me as a 90s kid I grew up with this game Freddy the Fish and it was like a it was a a underwater like detective game for kids but Fish Police kind of has like this gumshoe Dick Tracy vibe, but it's all, you know, sea creatures and whatever. And the the animation was done well. And I kind of could see this being excellent, um, especially if it was done in the vein of Roger Rabbit or the Chip and Dale movie. That's what Um, I was thinking, Roger Rabbit. I think that, that that would be fantastic um obviously that's maybe you know a hard a hard thing to so you want it to be is... blended with animation yeah live yeah animation live action blending i think would be great you could get that really good noir sense um mm-hmm. from you know the, the film and then also you know the animation i, I don't know i mean I, yeah. I i'll be honest i i first looked into fish please because i thought the name was funny and, and stupid as a lot of things i apparently like are um but i honestly was like this this seems really cool i i'd like to see more about it so yeah i I feel like that could definitely benefit from like a a modern big movie nice hey can i can i add to that um yeah so so 8-bit um we had a charlie schlatter on on our show splash page is a comic book club podcast oh nice i like that show and uh he was part of the voice cast of fish police oh wow yeah it says that he was he was tadpole yeah, and uh, yeah. he told us the story that uh, Jonathan Winters was part of that uh, cast, who is uh, a famous uh, comedian from the yeah. 1960s and 70s. Yeah. And apparently Jonathan Winters is insane. So they only have like two hours to do like an episode. And so after two hours of Jonathan Winters telling insane stories about Hollywood, um, yeah, Jonathan Winters got fired after the second week. Holy oh, crap! Wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not not to you know to to go too much into the show, but the the main act, the you know, Inspector Gill was voiced by John Ritter. Um, mm-hmm. The Sharkster was Tim Curry. Frank Welker was Muscles Marinara. Chief Abalone was Ed Asner. I mean, there was there was pretty. Oh yeah, big Buddy Hackett, Phil Hartman, Don Knotts. I mean, it, it was an insane. The list cast. goes on. It's like yes, yeah, it's a it's a crazy cast. So I so anyway you know if nothing yeah, else nice. um it could it could be really cool in this day and age for sure nice that's a that's a pick out of left field if there ever was one absolutely boom 
Yeah, I remember that existing, and uh, it was not a show I ever got to see. I am curious. You said it's all on YouTube. We we're talking. Uh, about yeah, it. yeah, it seems like it. So that's pretty cool. Only six episodes, though. Yeah, crazy. I remember John Ritter being the main actor in this. That's the only memory I attached to this was that it was a John Ritter vehicle and it just failed. But um, anyway, good one, uh, Nintendo. Sure. Would- so my pick would have to be. Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. <laughs> oh, okay. And actually, uh, Ape and I were talking about it before uh, we started. And uh, the premise would be him falling out the like hard times after his show got canceled. Oh. So he's like, he's trying to go like, you know, job to job, whatever. And then, you know, eventually he'll, you know, he'll get his show back whatever his, his talk show and whatever yeah like but, right like when his when his talk show guy can or something he's like okay i actually need to go do like superhero stuff again make some money make some put, money yeah put my talk show back on the air <laughs> like like mundane shit. stupid shit or something it's, it's funny <laughs> stuff. And, and i mean it would it would be awesome like they, they could do it as like a, a fun cg movie i think yeah yeah for sure that would work really well like the chippendale roger rabbit format too that yeah that could definitely it could yeah yeah like a like a detective because he's already a blend because he would have live people on as the ghost right right yes not the ghost he's the ghost i guess detective pikachu should be in that conversation right like that movie totally did that i i hadn't really thought pikachu yes pikachu is 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 a different thing um yeah that's no or 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 a funny thing would be uh instead of having like his own show like on tv like he would have his own youtube channel and just Oh, oh my god just blow up or something. that could be actually yeah he doesn't get the show back he gets his he he blazes his own trip. his own yeah. yes his he cuts own his own yeah. little slice out of the pie right out of the middle like an yeah. ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. space ghost coast to coast like and subscribe that would be yeah. the subtitle yes nice good one yeah I uh, loved uh, it's such such a relic of the late nineties. Uh, it's like I watched it so much. I and, loved uh, it. I loved yeah, it, it when it, when it was on. The, the The voice actors were so unbelievably hilarious. The original guy who was Space Ghost on that show because I I think they replaced him at some point. But oh my god, I don't I don't remember his name. But he was his voice is so hilarious. Oh my god, so good. Um, all right, so I am going to go with an action show that I easily could have picked. Um, uh, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, okay, so I couldn't have picked it. What am I saying? I always think that this is a Hanna-Barbera show. It's not. It's Ruby Spears. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a Ruby Spears show. That is Thundar the Barbarian. Nice. Thundar the Barbarian was one of many shows that came out in the 80s that were post- Conan, Conan the Barbarian movie and yet they blended it with science fiction so this is going to go into another show I'm going to talk about a little bit later but yeah Hanna Barbera had a couple that were like this but it's weird there were a ton of barbarian sci-fi shows in the 80s there's at least four or five um so kind of weird you know thundar i believe the uh the distant year 1994 was when the meteor hit the earth and caused a cataclysm that thrust everybody back into the stone age basically so it was like in the future but it felt like the past but there was 
technology and there was there were wizards and it was weird it was a weird show and there were aliens there was it was had star wars elements but it was very unique a post-apocalyptic barbarian sci-fi show it's very interesting i would love to see a uh, a dead serious like live action take on that like lean into all the weirdest parts like some of the characters were really weird lean into all that shit and like just take yourself dead seriously like i want like that last batman movie the robert pattinson i want it to be like three hours long serious as shit so everybody just calls it boring that's what i want that's what right I (laughs) i want it to be a grueling experience um and I kind of want Chris Helmsworth to be Thunder, but maybe he's too obvious. Um, <laughs> there we go. That's my pick. So those are our answers. Uh, we also have some some great answers from you, the Retroids. I'm uh, going to run down that list right now. Everybody picked way more than one show, though. That's uh, that's just what happens every time. Phil Conti said, Mask, Exo Squad, Inhumanoids, Bionic 6, Johnny Quest, Herculoids, Galtar and the Golden Lance, and just for Nintendo, Turbo Team. <laughs> oh, my God. Only if it's a horror the show. The most cursed goddamn thing. Oh, my God. So Rich, do you remember Turbo face. Team? Vaguely, but there were there were also a couple of those type of things where people turned into cars. Yeah, that's that was this. Yeah, yeah. He he like Turbo. transformed slowly into a car. Turbo <laughs> team turned into a car, and his face became like the most like the, cursed image ever. Yeah, it's like oh, what? Oh what, what, what did he do to cause the change? Did he hit something in his belt? Did he make his voice no, like like he would he would get hot. He would get hot, like, right? If he got hot, he would turn into a car. But once yeah. he cooled down, he turned back into a human. I got so you. Like, like can you imagine? Can you imagine if he was like having sex and he was on top of, of someone? He, he got like he really hot. He just turned yeah. into a car and it would like squish the person. He's like, oh, yeah. oh my god! I'm so sorry. No, I can't stop it. I'm hot. <laughs> like just. <laughs> and then he has to be a fucking car in his bed, You're right? Until he can uh, cool down. God, right. what a cursed life! Be there and try to calm down and cool off. <laughs> now, I, what I wonder is, does he have AC? Like, can he yes. turn it? <laughs> yes, yes, because people actually drive inside him, which is disturbing. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's <laughs> actually easy. That's all he has to do is he just has to put his own AC on. Right. Yeah, maybe. Oh um, <clears throat> Andrew Wishborn says, "GI Joe." I mean. Uh, in a post 9-11 world, an awesome movie about special forces fighting terrorists would be awesome. You could either keep it grounded like the original Joes or add a bit of the sci-fi near future with some experimental lasers and the bats. Uh, it would be it would also help with the G.I. Joe classified toys. Too bad they won't do it and haven't tried. Obviously, there were a couple G.I. Joe movies, but they were terrible and had like nothing to do with the characters, and it was such a bummer. Um, he also right. says, Exo Squad. Josh Neelis says, if we're talking Hanna-Barbera, it's Galtar. That shit would slam. Um, I, I agree. Galtar and the Golden Lance is one of my favorite Hanna-Barbera cartoon mm-hmm. shows. We've done two episodes on Hanna-Barbera. I haven't picked it yet, but um, I really, really love that show. That is one I have on DVD, and uh, I went back to watch the whole series and still loved it. 
I really like that nice. show. And that is one of the 80s barbarian sci-fi shows as well. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Ken Vaughn says, Thondar the Barbarian, good choice, Ken. And the Herculoids, man, I, you know, I, I both of those, I just love those choices. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ken. Mm -hmm. Thundar and Herculoids. Uh, Brandon Mark Powers says Hong Kong Fooey, which is a great choice. I don't know. I guess that would be a CG character probably with live action people. I, that's how I would guess they would do it. Pretty cool. Although a Jim Carrey Grinch Hong Kong Fooey would be also cursed, probably maybe more cursed than the uh, Turbo Team. So maybe that's really the, the real way to do it. Andrew Kuhn says, to this day, we've never gotten a kick-ass strawberry shortcake movie, and it's just beyond com comprehension. It'd be the box office gold for the demo 18 to 49. Also, Rainbow Bright. I think they missed an opportunity not casting Gwyneth Paltrow as her. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. I think that might be your first time answering an Octoponder this. He's a uh, uh, an old neighbor of mine. Nice. Adam Letourneau, our buddy Adam uh, of He Said, She Said, the Worcester, Massachusetts amazing award-winning band. Uh, group expert as well uh, phil conti is also a group expert we got some experts in this in this lot so adam says mask gets my vote the toys were so damn cool and the show concept was fun enough that someone could turn it into a cool movie i'm sure they could i think that that is sort of like you know a better property for somebody like michael bay to have taken over rather than transformers because he didn't really mm. want to pay that much attention to it so it's like all the characters ended up being too different and you know there's this dissonance there i think something like mass could have been like fine you're like okay this is just a concept you can re there's a lot of wiggle room with mask and it would still feel like mask have you right. know a, a plane that turns into a helicopter and a car that turns into a different car and like the song and like that's all you really need Thank you all for those awesome ponderings. And without further ado, let's get to the show, get back to the second half. So we got another block and one more pick each, four more picks for you. Let's get right to it and play the music because that's what we're all here for anyway. We like them theme songs. Let's Joe, play the beats. Fine. God. <laughs> From the monsters of the past comes a new generation dedicated to reversing the evil image of their forefathers. Under the leadership of none other than Count Dracula, known as Big D, three teenagers formed the do-gooder group named the Dracula. With special powers, they can transform into super mighty monsters and use their skills against all evildoers, especially the diabolical Dr. Dread and his renegade rascals, Toad, Fly, Mummy Man, and Vampira, a group known as Ogre, the organization of generally rotten enterprises. It's right versus wrong, good over three, niceness against naughtiness. That's the dedication of the terrific trio, Frankie, Howler, and Drac Jr., the Drac Pack. Through the sky, he's a go-go guy. Stronger than a train with a so-so brain. Uh, you talking about me, Blue Falcon? Gosh, 
He's fearless, scareless, a little too careless. Dynamite! He's a go-go dog person. That's me, dog wonder. <laughs> They are so pleasured. Mm. Oh, have you guys any idea who requested who? What pick is whose pick? I think mine is kind of obvious, but uh, I don't think they're all kind of obvious. Um, mm. So, first one belong to whom? Hmm. The first one. Well, I think it was me. I think it was me. I think it was you as well. It, it was, was Godzuki. Godzuki. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the first theme that you had the experience of hearing uh, was the Drac Pack from 1980, a Hanna Barbera show that was definitely kind of just under the radar. Like not a lot of people watch this show. Like, I've never uh, heard of it until. Uh, this I've episode never seen it. okay so <laughs> that, is, that so, is a great choice it is a great choice so nice. so this so this show is is really quite a quite a trip so i so i <laughs> yes so so okay let's just start with the facts here so drag pack is a cartoon inspired by the monsters of classic universal cinema uh it was produced by hanna-barbera australia and ran for 16 episodes um i say that it ran but it kind of crawled you know, for those 16 episodes, uh, there was a, a lot of, you know, kind of groan inducing horror lace, lace slapstick that <laughs> just was like, you know, kind of shoved, shoved into this 20 minute episode. Um, the show focuses on the Drac Pack, uh, in case you weren't sure. They I, I, are was, a group, I was wondering. Yes. They are a group of three teenagers that are also in some way related to the famous monsters that we know and love. 
while also being monsters, I use in air quotes, themselves. Uh, you have Drac Jr., Frankie, oh and Howler, which I might add, those three need no explanation. I'm well, not Frankie's, telling you what monsters the they mummy. turn into. I don't, I do not, I'm not doing that. You know exactly who they are based on those incredibly creative names. Uh, and their whole reason for, for life the raison d'etre is to atone for all the wrongdoings of their ancestors, their, their, you know, their relatives once upon a time who were evil, horrible monsters. They're like, we should be good. We should change the conversation. Let's be superheroes. Right. So, um, in a car, you know, our power is the car. Right. Well, the, well, the, the main, like the main person that you see, who's one of these famous monsters is kind of like the leader slash like coordinator, like the person who sends them on missions. Uh, and this is Drac Jr.'s uncle, whose name is Big D. <laughs> I wonder who they're <laughs> referring to. His name is Big D. And the primary focus of each episode is always Wasn't there a grocery dealing- store called Big D. In New England in the yes. 80s? Yes, it was, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But every episode, come hook or by crook, no matter what you think they might be doing, every single one boils down to the villainous exploits of the evil Dr. Dredd and his organization known as Ogre. And now Ogre, of course, is not just the word Ogre. It's It, it stands for something. Ogre is the organization of generally rotten endeavors oh boy that's a stretch i mean they are very non-committal they're like they're generally rotten (laughs) i mean there was a couple of times that we donated food to the homeless but like usually we're pretty of it pretty not awesome yeah Yeah. so so they really had to fucking work for that title uh so you know calling the drag pack to stop dr dread from stealing art from a museum or finding the hidden treasure of the lost local pirate theme park or maybe dr dread is stealing all the color from the world and they have to put the color back or i mean there was literally one episode where they had to go get mail for his uncle and i'm not fucking kidding you they said it multiple times in the episode we need to stop dr dread from stealing big d's package yes <laughs> this is like this they, is they this fucking is the say that oh, like verbatim Yes. <laughs> Apit Apit knows me so well. He's like, Joe, you have to watch this one particular episode. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm losing my fucking mind. I'm like, Joe, you have to watch episode 13. It's insane. You're not gonna believe the things that they're saying. And it's just it's all like, about Big D's package. Big oh D's package God. everywhere. It's and, it's, and, package. and it's not it's not just that. It's not just that. There, there's another key phrase, but hold on. Okay, so ogre as a group is comprised of toad, fly. Mummy man and Vampira. Vampira can turn into all sorts of animals. In the first episode, she flies away as a pterodactyl. Not oh. not the obvious bat choice. She's like, I'm a, I'm a piece out. And like pterodactyls <laughs> out of there. It's like, what the hell? Like that was creative. Um Mummy Man is just this ginormous oafish mummy, but I honestly think his design is cool. Like he, like I think for a big, like you know, hulking mummy dude, he's kind of cool. Fly is just this nasty, like man in a fly suit. Like he's not, he's not a fly. Like he's clearly skin color, 
and then had like like he's white complexion and then has like a a, a like fly onesie on and, with wings um and then toad is just that, like a, that's hilarious i love that, that that's I love, what he's doing i think that's flies my favorite yeah and then toad is a very thinly veiled igor slash you know peter laurie impression you know he's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh Dr. Drack and his gang start every episode in their, or sorry, not, not Dr. Dread, uh, Drack Jr. And the gang start every episode in their human form. At some arbitrary point in the episode, they all decide to transform into their monster forms and fight evil. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I said transforming. So the phrase, the fr- what they call this, I Monsterize. am not fucking making this up. They literally say we have to Drack whack. i'm i couldn't fucking make this up they literally are like oh yeah it's time to drac whack and they all slap their hands together together. they slap their hands together and then they're like yeah and then they just turn into their monster forms and you know once they're Mm -hmm. fucking whacked off they can really show their power they're like all right we're doing this now like let's go we drac whacked in the Mm -hmm. elevator it's time to fight (laughs) And and then they like they just kind of like become you know like drac jr goes from just being like this suspiciously handsome like just man like like he's all like his eyes are always like how suspiciously handsome did you find him personally so it's it is if they took dave from the kids uh, alvin Alvin and the chipmunks dave from alvin and the chipmunks and just gave him permanent sexy eyes All the time, like like <laughs> half Dave, open, half open, open bedroom eyes with like the cat like you know kind of mm-hmm. squirrel to it, and he's just like, Ooh. "Hi, I'm Jack Junior." <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, "Why are you so fucking seductive, dude? What the fuck?" <laughs> it's just weird. So it is Dave from Chip and not Chip, Dave from Alvin and the Chipmunks. If he was just suspiciously sexy, you're like, "What the fuck? Why are you always doing this? What are you up to?" And uh, and so, yeah, so he like goes from that to just being like, I'm the same with a cape now. And my cape, like my cape lets me fly, but also I can turn into what whatever the hell I want. So hold on. So so this, so this friggin' episode where, where, where Dr. Dredd is trying to steal the lost treasure of the local pirate theme park. Like there's just a sea world type place in town. And and Doctor Dread is like, okay, yeah, like I'm I'm going for the the lost treasure, and the, and they go to check it out, and it's like, this is at Sea World, dude. Like, this isn't a real pirate, and so so he kidnaps this is them. A ride. This is a ride, sir. Um, but th- like he gets captured, and, and they're in this under like the Drac Pack gets captured. They're in this barrier, and it's closing in on them, and they have to deal with it. And so this is like the lameness, the lameitude of the powers that they go for. So Drac Jr. uses his power of transforming into literally any random thing to turn into an old-timey wooden hand drill. Like, the stupid, like, you know, U-shaped thing that's like you just spin it. He turns into a hand drill. Not like a human hand drill, just a hand drill. Like, anyone could have picked him up and used him. And then he tunnels down makes a tunnel just big enough for himself, which immediately closes up, and his two friends are still stuck in the cave. They're still stuck in the barrier, gonna die. He like He's just like, oh, I'm out, hand drill. And then they're like, okay, well, 
since you just did that like an asshole, we still have to get those other two guys out. So now what? I mean, he, he could turn to anything. He could, he could have just right. excavated. Could have been a pterodactyl. Thing. No, he turned to the tiniest little hand drill. And so then he's like, all right, all right, I got to figure out what to do. So he turns off the barrier from the outside. And then it allows the wolf guy, Howler, to howl a wind force, like so sharp, it punches a hole through the steel like wall and floods the chamber and they and they can and they can get out wait a minute howler is is a is a werewolf guy oh yes oh man i i i I mean i was i was way off i see i thought howler Mm. monkey Mm. amazon creature from the black lagoon Ah, see, you know, that's why they keep you guessing with the names, though. They do. Um, He's a werewolf. Yeah, he's a werewolf. He's a werewolf who has, like, bullet breath. Like, he can just howl, and it punches holes through whatever. It also, like, deflates a tsunami. Like, like there's a massive tsunami city size, and he's just like, let me blow on it. And then the tsunami goes away. (laughs) It's like, uh, okay. What the hell? Um, So, yeah, this this show is this is a very <laughs> funny episode it's insane this, epi- this episode of the retro doctor's podcast is, is <laughs> for god's sake but th- so so i okay full full disclosure i genuinely wanted to watch the adams family show that hannah barbera did i could not find it anywhere but i was like oh i also really wanted to watch the drag pack so you know let's watch that and that's all on youtube and i did watch probably four episodes before I jumped to episode 13, because I had to see this one shot of all three guys sharing a bed together that Stephanie, <laughs> my, my, um, my fiance found online. And she's like, apparently they sleep together. And I'm like, okay, what episode is it? So we watched episode 13 and it's like, this is the one with big D's package, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> this, really this, <laughs> this is the one to watch. watch episode 13 for God's sakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it was the opposite of how I felt about Godzilla. Like it, it did feel strugglesome to get through just because of how formulaic everything was, how uh, contrived the bad guys were. The fact that it was only ever Dr. Dread. It's like, it's always Dread. It's always mm. Ogre. I literally watched the episode that every episode is a pun that includes the word Dread in it, except for the episode about the pirate one. So I was like, oh, maybe Dr. Dread's not the bad guy. No, Dr. Dread's in the first five seconds. Like, it's just, they're just like, we couldn't think of a pirate-themed pun for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of aspects to that that are just making it formulaic. And it's too bad because I think this show also had a ton of potential and could really be something great in the modern day to go back to the um, the Octoponder question. But I mean, mm-hmm. I this is my experience with it. I'm actually super curious to hear Rich's thoughts on it because you sounded like you really liked this show. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was had great memories for me of Drag Pack. As a matter of fact, um, I was discussing with my Harley when I was trying to pick what show, and that was like one of the full one first things she yelled, Drag Pack, because that like is a thing from our childhood. Oh, nice. And, um, you know, it's basically the universal monsters, um, right? You know, fight fighting in a, in a cartoon on TV, and at the time we only had like black and white. You know, Universal Monsters versus like Abbott and Costello type of things, and this was like, oh wow, this is this this is like talking to kids of that era, and uh, yeah, yeah. I am so excited that you picked that, and I'm glad because I mean that is something that is you know twenty years before you're even born, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, going through the list of Hanna-Barbera shows, you know, to try and find something interesting. I was like, there, there's plenty of things on there that I wanted to check out, but track pack stuck out to me. Cause I'm like, that, that sounds like an awesome idea for a show now. Like I, you know, I would totally watch that. And, and it just, it seemed, uh, it seemed like a good one to check out. So, I mean, unfortunately I did find it, you know, quite goofy and hokey and whatever, but I, I, I got some solid laughs out of it. Right. Honestly, and If I remember correctly, I think the animation was pretty sharp on that show. It did look pretty good. You know, that is fair. They they did a good job animating the different, you know, transformations and they they definitely put put effort into it. It wasn't like a lot of cheap reused shots or anything. It it did look solid. Um Frank Frank Jr., I feel like is the only character I had I've said nothing about, but like he's just kind of like the dumb one. You know, I don't know. It's like he's like the strong guy, dumb one, whereas Howler is like the whoa, long haired nerd kind of like, yeah, like anything's cool kind of feeling <laughs> like not as much California as I just made it. But like definitely that just kind of like, I guess, hippie stereotype. Sort of. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Drac Jr. is kind of the only one who seems like he's got like he should bedroom. have his wits about him more. He's but yeah, he's, he's just rocking the bedroom eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Drac nice. back. That's that's what's awesome. Up. Yeah, I cool. I have never seen the show. I have to watch episode thirteen. When you guys were talking about it, I really wanted to, but <laughs> I definitely have to do. You that. won't be disappointed. I, I'm sure I will not. <laughs> but I actually did see the intro, and uh, I know what you're talking about with the the bedroom eyes. I thought it looked really strange that he at all times had the, and I think he, I feel like he had like, did he have purple eyeshadow or, or am I adding? Uh, he no, oh. he does what he transforms. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he friggin' does. So, yeah, it's just kind of funny. Um, but anyway, all right. Excellent. Excellent. Last pick there. bit. Thank you for that. Um, all right. So uh, who was the second song of the block? I know it wasn't me. Well, that would be I, the Bill oh, uh, J yeah. here. Mr. Mr. And, J. Uh, so my second choice, which is interesting because I thought the name of the show was Blue Falcon and Dino Mud, but it turns out. It, that it was Dynamut Dog Wonder. He right. was the lead. Who uh, Falcon doesn't even get a credit? Surprise! So crazy. Uh, so crazy. I didn't. I thought the. I assumed the show was either called Blue Falcon or Blue Falcon and Dynamut. Yeah, he's not so, even in the title. Uh, yeah. It turns out Dynamut was originally broadcast as a half-hour segment of the Scooby-Doo slash Dynamut Hour from 1976 to 1977. And a quarter hour segment of its later expanded form on Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics. Uh, it would later be rerun and syndicated on its own from 1978 on. And the cast of Scooby-Doo showed appeared as recurring characters on Dynamite, assisting the daring duo and cracking their crimes. So uh, essentially, the show was about millionaire socialite. Um, he was an art dealer named Radley Crown, uh, Bruce Wayne. Uh, voiced by the great Gary Owens and his mechanical dog Dynamut, voiced by the great Frank Welker, uh, who apparently got his inspiration for the voice from the Gertrude and Heathcliff characters from Red Skelton. Oh, I had no idea. So that was interesting. Uh, so they enjoyed their leisure time and their base of operations in Big City until <laughs> alerted by the Falcon Flash. Then they immediately dashed to the Falcon's Lair situated in Crown's penthouse, where they switched to their secret identities, the Blue Falcon and Dynamite, um, which was very much like the 66 Batman Adam West character. Right. Blue right. Falcon. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, they used to get uh, reports via the TV screen for the secret GHQ of the secret focus, um, which, uh, and then they jumped into their Falcon car and sped into the fray against various evil doers. You think they would have had a Falcon plane? Did they? Uh, well, the, the Falcon car also, um, sometimes the wheels would go up and it could fly. Oh, it was a flying car. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. That counts as plane. That's like plain enough for me. Yeah. yeah. I think there might have been an episode where it, it was also a sub. So <laughs> it was very multifaceted. Was it also, a hokey? Uh, the sub is my penis. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Make with that what you will. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, but yeah. So, uh, but Dino Mutt, he's a metallic mutt. He has a, uh, a system of miniaturized transistors, which allow him to extend his limbs or neck. And uh, of course, depending on what the episode was, what kind of gadgets that he could pull out, kind of like a go-go gadget type of thing. He was very uh-huh. Inspector Gadget in the way that they like visually used his powers. Yeah. Like, and things the- would just extend and have those like hoses with the lines, you know? Yeah. 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 And he could go like, he was kind of like Mr. Fantastic. He could like go around corners and stuff right. with it. And uh, right. he was very versatile. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. He was like the uh, switchblade of uh, robot dogs. <laughs> right. The, uh, the Swiss Army knife. Of yeah. The- absolutely. Swiss Army, Swiss Army knife. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Not, not switchblade. Yeah. That would be a totally different weapon. <laughs> Uh, Watch what my uh, dog can do. Oh, Jesus Christ. They they had a great relationship. Uh, Dynamite would call uh, Blue Falcon, he'd call him BF. And, you know, uh, they're, uh, you know, they'd get into um, going against bad guys. I remember there was one guy called The Worm who would pretty much felt like the same character as from Shazam, where he was like a genius worm. And oh, uh, oh, yeah. The uh, Mr. Miracle. I think that's. Not Mr. Miracle. It's something miracle. That worm thing. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, well, anyway. but you know what I mean. There's a little yep. worm in Shazam, yep. and he's yep. like one of the bad guys. Uh, so anyway, he's just like that. And uh, his evil plan is to steal an evil computer uh, so that it could uh, plan the most perfect evil crimes. Um, and, and, and that's the evil plan. So uh, he needs to break out a couple guys out of jail and uh, he uses a boring device, and of course, Blue Falcon and Dynamite oh, on the case. Yeah, it's it, it's the writing is not fantastic. It's totally boring, um, and there's a laugh track, and it does not hold up unless you're a kid, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but but it is fun if you if yeah. you like Scooby Doo and you like that kind of humor. Um, yeah. And you like superheroes. I mean, it's fun as a child, as, a, as an adult going back. Unfortunately, this one doesn't hold up very well. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. <clears throat> I always thought the Blue Falcon looked awesome. Like, yeah, he, he world, was very cool. I mean, seriously, in the world of these superheroes that Hanna-Barbera made up, you know, something like Space Ghost, a lot of times their, their costumes are just very simple. And they often worked for what they made them up for us. And it, right. there's nothing wrong with it, but like Birdman or, or Space Ghost or whatever. Of those, I think like Blue Falcon looked awesome. Like I really liked his, his, his design a lot. Um, that, the Shazam worm, I just looked it up. It's Mr. Mind. Mr. Mind. Mr. Mind. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, um, my Harley had yeah. mentioned that she thought Blue Falcon was kind of like uh, Jace from uh, Gotcha Man. 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can totally yeah. see that. No, they look, he looks very gotcha, man. Similar design. Yeah. But yeah, he was very Batman esque. Uh, he was very Bruce Wayne, like I said, from the 1960s series. Um, yes, yes. You know, they, but, uh, I, you know, they tried. They tried very hard. Um, I watched a couple of episodes, and the writing is just not great. The characters <laughs> are great, the writing's not great. And yeah, the huh? better episodes are the ones that they mix Scooby Doo in. Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't actually, I never got to see the movie. I know 8-Bit saw it, but that movie Scoob that came out a couple of years ago with Scooby mm-hmm. and Shaggy and they're like young and part of it or whatever. Uh, it's a CG cartoon movie. I know Blue Falcon and Dynamut are in that movie. Yeah, they bring that character back. It, it actually is the uh, the son of Blue Falcon. He's taken over after his dad oh. is retired. That's pretty cool. Yeah, which is <clears> cool. I, I meant to see that movie. I just haven't gotten around it, to it. It was fun. It was worth seeing. Yeah. Very, very good, like, looking, you know. Yeah, anime. great did, art did, style. Did you like the movie 8-Bit? So, I, full full honesty, when I watched that movie, I just, I wasn't feeling awesome. And, like, I retained none of it. Like, I, I remember bits of it. I think I fell asleep through part of the end. It's no, it's no discredit to the movie. I just, like, sure. I, I saw it and I was like, I, I need to watch this again. It's actually mm-hmm. probably number one on my list of movies I need to rewatch because I genuinely want an opinion on it. Because I, I do like Scooby-Doo quite a bit and I would mm-hmm. love to love that movie. I just, I didn't give it a fair watch. Oh, so, okay. um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out again. And I know the sequel to that is one of the uh, casualties of, uh, a bunch of movies got canned, like you know, famously Batgirl was mm-hmm. you know a, the mm-hmm. one everybody was talking about. Yeah, everyone going to be a that, sequel yeah. to Scoob as well, and that also was just shelved. oh really? That yeah. sucks. Yeah, I didn't bummer. know that. Yeah, yeah, but oh, well. hey, uh, you know, so not Blue Falcon, not Blue Falcon and Dynamut, but the but Dynamut Dog Wonder. Dog Wonder, yes, <laughs> name He's of the, the star. Show. So crazy. Yeah, I totally remember these characters. Absolutely. And I would love it when they would show up in Scooby-Doo because I more watch Scooby-Doo. I, I don't know that I ever saw yeah. episodes of Blue Falcon often. I think I saw them. I mean, I'm, I said Blue Falcon again, like in my head. That's right. always what I thought it was called. Yeah, but absolutely. Uh, yeah, Dynamite. But um, yeah, no, great, great pick, man. Thank you very awesome. much. Yeah. All right. You're welcome. OK, we got two picks left. And mm. uh, who had the third song? Uh, uh, I guess me. Oh, okay. It was. It was me. the math. The math does check out. Yes, the math. It's be math true. Though. It's true. Yeah. All right. So my final pick would have to be Richie Rich, which is based on the Harvey comics. And yeah. This this show had four seasons. It had 13 half-hour shows, but were split into segments. You have 12, mm-hmm. 7, and 4 minutes, depending on like how, like which season. Oh, interesting. They're really short. Okay. Yeah, they're really short. Um, the first season was – actually, the first two seasons were, were called Richie Rich and Scooby-Doo. So it would, share, it would always share a show. Um, it's, it's, isn't then, it interesting how many shows the like successful shows – launched or tried to launch yes. you know right they're like yeah. okay scooby-doo yeah. is big space ghost is big you know like certain ones are big enough and they're like all right we'll we'll combine something so i had yeah. no idea that they they did that with richie rich that seems yeah. like such a weird pairing 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I would feel like you know, Richie Rich would be its own thing. Yeah, because it was a comic, so why, why, why not just have its own show? Uh, so season three had the Pac Man, Little Rascals, and Richie Rich show, and then season four is basically the same thing, but replaced Pac Man with the Munchie Cheese. Oh. Which I remember the munchie cheese, like yeah, me too. Those little monkeys, I yeah, yeah. I mostly remember my sister watching that. She would watch that show all the time. Are you saying munchie cheese? Yes, it's like munchie cheese. It's M O N. Munchie cheese. Munchie cheese. Yeah. Munchie. There are these little monkey guys. Yeah. It was very about being adorable. Okay, yes. so like Hello Kitty, but better. I guess so. Yeah, there were maybe. a bunch of like little animal character shows that were around that time too. Again, Hanna Barbera and their like version, their variations on a theme. I mean, there were there were the Smurfs were tiny little guys, and then there were Biscuits, which was the same thing, but they were dogs, and it was medieval times. And then there was the Munchichis, so there were little monkeys. And then there were the pawpaw bears, which were little bears. It was just a thing to do. It's like not just about making a cast full of animals. It's like, no, they have to be tiny. Right. Small, cute, yeah. marketable. Then were, yeah. Then there were the littles, but the littles were, were was based on the, the borrower's book. Um, and then later there was a borrower's movie. And I remember thinking when that came out, it was like, oh, they just ripped off the Littles. It's like, no, no, the, the Littles ripped off the borrowers. But I didn't yeah. know that. But anyway, this is just a right. weird, another weird theme yeah. Barbara had of like yeah. little animals, little guys. Right. Um, anyway. This show, I, I remembered, you know, going back. Now I, I Richie Rich. Remember, yeah, Richie Rich. I remember liking the show a lot when I was younger. Oh. Mostly because I fucking loved Irona the robot maid. Like, give me Irona over Rosie any day. <laughs> I do. I recall what she looks like. I wouldn't have been able to, like, come up with the name. Yeah. She was badass. She was bionic, right? She was very, very bionic. No, she can basically do everything. Like, she, like her arms can stretch out and mm-hmm. just so, call she her so much stuff. Psychotron, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yep. Um, well, she wasn't part organic. The the hair was no. away. yes, hair was away. yes, yes. Um, Richie had a dog called Dollar. No, I'm clever. Um, right. let's see. Uh, oh Irona had a boyfriend called Suavo, which, for the love the of God, I thought the, the robot boyfriend, a robot boyfriend called Suavo, Suavo. and I thought they were saying swallow oh yeah that's and i'm like is that 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 can't be right it can't be right it's like no no i don't think you can say that on television okay you can't swallow stuff you can't Um, swallow that on television yeah yeah you can't swallow on television um so yeah i mean it's a good show i mean it's not like about anything it's just a rich kid in a rich family just doing rich things and right uh, he has like a bunch of gadgets and stuff because yeah yeah like like his father has like a an inventor who has his own building and everything mm-hmm. and richie would just go there and be like oh look this is why this is why i invented or whatever oh look look at this telescope oh there's giant bugs who wants to invade the right. earth because their planet is overcrowded 
<laughs> stupid shit like that. Or or you have like crooks trying to kidnap uh, the dog so that one of them can dress up as the dog and uh, infiltrate uh, Richie's uh, uh, mansion. room and where, where he keeps all of his money and his safe room or whatever. It's nice. just they so, so... The human picked the fucking dog as the thing to dress up like? Yes. The most likely thing to fool anybody? Yeah, you would think you would try to befriend. Be the mailman the or something. Or be a male, yeah. Something more. Robot made. You can make a robot costume. Right. That's human shaped. I hope they believe that I'm their dog. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're definitely not the dog. Like, your your knees don't even bend the right way, dude. No. You look like. Not at all. You look like Angiris (laughs) in that dollar suit there, bud. Get out of here, you freaking poser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do like the show a lot. It was re- when uh, it rebroadcasted. It was under uh, the show called "The Fantastic World of Hanna Barbera." That was in 1988. Yep. So this show ran from November 8th, 1982, September 1st, 1984, on a uh, ABC network. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, I I recommend it. I think it's good for the kids. You know, cool. Nothing. It's not. It's not. Uh, you know. It's nothing like Big D or anything. Nothing crazy <laughs> like that. But you know, it's. Well, it's it funny that YouTube can make it generational wealth. Right. Yes. Yes. YouTube can be Richie Rich. Yes. Um, if you save your thousand dollars a week allowance. <laughs> it's yeah right right. Oh, that's all I did. I did it all myself with my own money. I worked from yeah. the ground up with my thousand. Um, so I think it's interesting because this is a property I've never heard you talk about ever. So this is kind of out. out yeah, of yeah. I think it's really cool that you picked this. Yeah, I. I uh, it wasn't I, my first pick either. I just happened to stumble upon it. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's him okay. Martin. That's fun. I love I doing this one. one. There's there's literally so many ones you could choose. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's interesting because they made the the movies, and obviously the first one had Macaulay Culkin, and yeah. then they made a bunch of like direct to VHS sequels in the '90s after that, and then uh, not too many years ago there was actually like a Netflix show or something. It was a live action show of Richie Rich. It was absolute distilled pain, <laughs> but. Uh, Dr. Matteo watched a few episodes of it. And, uh, I mean, it was real. It was really rough, but it was just funny. It's like, my God, how many other of these shows have fallen by the wayside? And there are yeah. just certain ones that get, the, you know, if you make a movie, it stays alive a little bit longer. Or it gets yep. reintroduced to it for a new generation. And uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. It is neat. Yeah. I'm just looking it up that uh, that first Macaulay Culkin Richie Rich movie. The bad guy was John Larroquette. Interesting. That's interesting. Wow. I remember his uh, Richie's butler was named Cadbury. Cadbury, that's right. Cadbury. Thank you, Cadbury. Mom. Oh, should have been voiced by Tim Curry. Oh, Cadbury. <laughs> my Tim Curry, my Butler, Um, yeah. All right. So we got one left. It's me. 
my it's pick, you. I think, is the obvious one. So, you know, put that thing last. Boink. This is one of my favorite favorite Hanna-Barbera shows of all time. It is The Herculoids. I've been wanting to talk about this for quite a while. Actually, I dodged this in our first episode. I was like, no, I, I don't want to do Herculoids. It's too obvious. But now I you want do. to do something else. Yeah, so I did Space Ghost, and I did... Um, the i did yogi's treasure hunt last time actually correct yeah. yep yep obscure hey, boo, boo, gonna get us some picnic baskets picnic basket <laughs> boo boo hey, hey. um where you want to go rob a bank That's uh, not so, a treasure hunt. so before i get into the herculoids i i i wasn't gonna pick it at first i wanted to do something i hadn't seen before i was gonna pick the show because i thought it had a funny name that was you know my name young samson there's the show Young Samson. I have oh, yeah. to briefly. Yeah. Oh my God. What a weird ass show this is. It was Young Samson is voiced by Tim Matheson, uh, who also is J- Jace on uh, Space Ghost and then like okay. became a movie actor. But um, so such such a weird thing. Another variation on a theme was this kid, like the Shazam thing. There's a young kid who turns into an adult superhero and has powers. That was also a thing they did a bunch of. So, but anyway, they even turned the thing from Fantastic Four and retrofitted him into his own show. And there was a kid named Benji, Benji Grimm, and he had a ring called the thing ring and he would say thing ring do your thing and he would turn into oh, the thing from God. the fantastic world never good huh oh boy so anyway young samson Whoa. i just it's so funny i watched two episodes of this it's really terrible he has a dog and when he transforms it's like he man and battle cat but instead of turning into a bigger dog he turns into a lion, lion. the dog Turns into a lion. It feels that's wrong. not the right flavor the animal. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels weird. Um, so, and the dog's name is Goliath. So we have Samson and Goliath. And uh, yeah, Goliath is a Pokemon. Like 100% okay. the episode is like, you know, like you were saying 8 bit about Godzilla. He just shows up at the end. Like it's very formulaic. This is very formulaic too. When they transform, Samson doesn't really do a lot himself. He just commands Goliath to do his moves. It's like the entire okay. rest of the episode is like, Goliath, do a roar. Goliath, use your claws. Goliath, hit that with your tail. Goliath, use flash. <laughs> I don't know, like, Psybeam Goliath. Like, I don't know. It's it's really, <laughs> it's really funny. So yeah. weird. So anyway, you should check that out and just laugh at it for like one episode because it's it sucks. But anyway, so young Samson, I am like, I have to do something better than this. Oh, why am I dodging the Herculoids for episode two? Screw this. So Herculoids is my pick. It's a sci-fi fantasy series. Um, very much part of that barbarian sci-fi uh subgenre I was mentioning. Yeah. Original run was from 1967 to 1969, had a total of 18 episodes and 36 segments. Uh, Then it was actually revived in 1981 as part of a show called Space Stars. Space Stars was a 60-minute Saturday morning uh, block featuring five different cartoons each week. There were more shows than that, but they would play five of them. Some of these uh, were brand new and some were revival shows. The Hercules and Space Ghost got new episodes 
for space stars. And the drawings are different. They are a little bit, you know, a little bit more colorful. Um, their animation is better and the drawings themselves kind of lost some of that flair that they had, uh, that, that comic strip look that they had, that comic book art that they had. It's there, yep. but it's not, not quite as detailed in my opinion, but kind of like the look of the 60s stuff. A little bit better, but unfortunately, I couldn't watch any of the original 60s episodes. I don't have, it, you can buy it on Blu-ray. The whole, the whole series is on Blu-ray. And I've meant to do it for years, and I just never have. No kidding. But yeah, but the um, uh, the internet doesn't have it at all. It doesn't exist anywhere. I really, really, really looked. There are a few episodes of the 80, 81 revival um, on YouTube. So I did actually get to watch a couple episodes of that, and those were very fun. Um, but anyway, basic plot of Herculoids is... Um, was uh, to showcase the many adventures of a modern barbarian family and their super amazing alien monster pets. Everything took place on the planet Amzot. Oh. Amzot. Which sounds like it's something backwards, but it's not. That would be Tosma. Just... Right, but and it does. It, it Amzot. Does and you know what's weird? When they did the revival in 81, they renamed the planet quasar which i hate because it's just it's much less creative it's just the word quasar i want it to be amzot amzot (laughs) is weird and i love it in fact i kind of want amzot one to be my vanity plate now um (laughs) so basically um we had so the barbarian fam uh is uh the, the heroic husband and wife team of xandor and the not really spacey sounding Tara. Her name's just Tara. Okay. That's a nice name. That's okay. It's a, I'm name her Tara. Xandor and Tara. Uh, and uh, the family was rounded up by precocious preteen son. Get this name. Dorno. Not like Zorno. Dorno. I don't. I hate it. I hate that name. Dorno. Baron Dorno. Hey, it's, it's Dorno. Come here, Dorno. Oh, you know Dorno from Dallas Street. Oh, I got all that guy. He's pretty yeah, yeah. He's he's from the oh, bad side of Brooklyn. It's not hey, delivery. It's the Zorno. What are you talking about? There ain't no good side of Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, it's funny, all the bad side. Funny thing about Dorno, uh, he only called his parents by their names. How weird is that? He would always say Xandor and Tara. Like he wouldn't say mom and dad so there's one episode of the original run (laughs) hello mom there's one there's one episode where i guess he does say uh of the original series where he calls them mom and dad just one episode and it causes a problem (laughs) and then in the 81 revival he called them mother and father but another another all the episodes he calls them by their names it's just weird i guess it's weird I mean, I, I have to, I have to assume it's Emzot Custom. I mean, that must be. Right. Um, so the family didn't use swords or clubs or bows or any other thing that's, you know, classically considered cool, but cool. rather they all had slingshots, like a little shit ass kid with doing that only had one strap fastened. No kidding. And wasn't wearing a shirt. That's or not going to do much. And he's he you know he's got a he's got a slingshot in his in his front pocket his Oshkosh bagosh and he's like 
That's it's like he's got a slingshot in my Oshkosh. What's it to you? They're literally yeah. What's it to you? They're literally just <laughs> slingshots. But sometimes the the rocks they would fire glowed and would explode. So I don't know what that was about, but uh, it was a thing that they had as a uh, as as ammunition. Yeah, but I, I think it's kind of weird. Like they all had the same weapon too. Like they, all of them, but whatever. Um. So, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. So Xandor had a trump card, though. Xandor was the only one who could do this, and uh, there were this would happen occasionally, um, but definitely in a bunch of episodes at near the end when like things were getting just too tough, and they didn't, ha- you know, I mean, they have like freaking five big humongous prehistoric pet monsters which i'm going to get into too like also helped to solve their problems and they all had exploding slingshot rocks and stuff but no sometimes he would do this thing okay i tried to look up what it was called the internet doesn't know i don't know i can't find any reference to this at all it's just a thing that xandor would do that they would have these vertical like vines on the screen okay so picture like zoom in to a harp like zoom way, way, way into a harp. So it fills the whole frame with like three or four strings, right? Okay, imagine that. It's huge so harp. Vertical lines. So Xandor, what he would do is he would bounce like horizontally. Do you remember this, Rich? I do, I do. He would like bounce horizontally on these ropes. So he would like somehow be launched the first time. Maybe one of the Herculoids would throw him or something. And his like, you know, his like shoulders would bear the brunt of the first one. And then that would rocket him to the next one down and he his feet would catch that one. And that would rock him de- rocket him back up to the other string. And and then that would propel him. So it's I guess you're supposed to believe like he's building up all this kinetic energy, this momentum. And then he like it just turns into a big, you know, a big hit. A big yep. blow. A big mighty blow that he would deal to some monster or something. A mighty it, wind is blowing. Weirdest. A, a mighty wind did blow. Um, no, that movie kicks ass. Um, yeah, it does. But no, that it's it's so strange. But it is such a thing that only the Herculoids have done this. Nobody right. else should do it. It's totally doesn't make any sense. But it's a visual thing that you connect, and you're like. Oh my God. It's like, you know, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the Morphin Time. And like, there's certain shows that show the same types of things, but they're only intrinsic to that one show. And you're like, oh my God, this is so a part of it. And I remember this weird thing that he would do. What is, what are these ropes? Anyway, I just wanted to mention the weird rope find things that Xandor would use. He was doing Nobody a ricoch- else. Steve, he was doing a ricochet rabbit. He was like, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> That's what he was doing. Um, so, uh, uh, let's see. So the vines. Okay. Oh, oh, last thing to mention about the family. Um, they lived in a really stupid house. So it was like this weird alien tree house thing. And it sort of looks like a, like almost like a living life form itself. It has a central stock, like a tree. And then it has these weird things that it kind of looks like shoulders, but that's where you stand on when you get up to the tree house. But from far away, the thing sort of looks like a person kind of. And from where you stand on kind of looks like the shoulders. And then that is connected to the ground via these various, I don't know, ropes or something, vines or whatever. And above that is like this head looking thing, but it's like an umbrella. So they don't look like leaves. It's almost like petals, I guess, like giant petals that are droopy. And they make a 
a little house. This is their house. It has no walls. This is literally the least safe and secure you could possibly feel. Like I would live under a rock. I would I would drag a fallen tree on next to another fallen tree and just crouch in between those. Like this whole thing <laughs> is just open. You are just announcing yourself and like my god, there's no breeze on Xandar or uh no, no, Xandor is the guy's name. Amzot, like Amzot, I, I think you would just freeze to death every single night. Like I, I hate this. I hate the tree. It's not one of the <laughs> yeah, things. That this, is, this is not what I want. <laughs> awful. I don't think it's it's cool in any way, shape, or form. And they just lie on the floor. There's barely any room up there, too. The three of them live there. This is their house. It is the size of like a kitchen table. They're basically standing on a round kitchen table. That's their entire house, and they all just sleep almost totally naked just on the table essentially that's that's really what this is anyway that's a tree house. table bed uh zandor was by was voiced by mike road of malden massachusetts by the way i know that place mm. he also voiced numerous other characters for hanna barbera hb to the kids uh most notably race bannon on johnny quest thought that was worth mentioning so now uh, the good part, the five creatures of the Herculoids, basically the reason anybody likes this show and uh, definitely my favorite part of it as well. Uh, we have Igu. He's a big ass gorilla made of rocks. And uh, Igu was incredibly strong. He had hard rock-like skin and was pretty much just invincible. Nothing could actually hurt him. No matter what kind of laser or anything hit him, he just kind of like, got more pissed i mean it's kind of like the hulk he's awesome um, he is great i love i love the way they they drew him and how he has like he's always has two colors and one color is like the shadow one color is the the highlight color but yeah. the way they did it is they they tried to find like the the edges of, of like his face because he's made of rock so he has like he doesn't have smooth organic edges he's neat looking i definitely really like yeah he is a lot um in the episode the firebird he actually uh at one point he wades into a volcano that is just full of lava it's like a high school like uh middle school pro science fair project volcano that's just full all the way to the top with just red liquid basically and he like he just wades in there and gets this firebird egg out of the volcano it's like wow this he's 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 like pretty invulnerable to us like everything that really echoes the first episode of godzilla a little bit yeah yeah That's so does. weird yeah huh. and uh the firebird was pretty cool looking too had like a uh, dragon wings nice. um anyway uh then we have gloop and gleep and they sounded like <laughs> that's gloop and gleep like they're drowning you. Uh, that's uh, that's what they sound like. They're both uh, voiced by Don Messick, uh, aka Scooby Doo. Um, presumably, they're like father and son? Question mark. I don't know. They don't actually say. But one's giant, one's small. Um, uh, Gloop is the big one. Gleep's the small one. Both possess the same powers. Basically, all sorts of shape shifting stuff. They can turn into helpful things like cushions, trampolines, shields, parachutes. Literally anything else the show needs them to do. Also, sometimes they can like subdivide into like like smaller versions of themselves and then just kind of reform themselves. But each Whoa. time they they have like they have eyes and stuff. It's kind of weird. 
Um, but anyway, uh, you know, definitely a good power to just be like, yeah, these guys can do anything we kind of need them to do. Like they can build bridges. If we need a bridge, they'll turn into a bridge. They'll stretch. So, right. um, the creator of the old Nintendo game, a boy in his blob has come out and said over the years, he has admitted that his whole inspiration was gloop and gleep. And the blob okay. in that game mm. is, is very much the size of the smaller one. And he's the same shape. He has a different face, but um, anyway, and that had gotten a remake on the Wii. And I think it was the same creator. The same guy owned the, the property. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, so next up we have my original favorite of the Herculoids, Tundro. Uh, he's a 10 legged four horned rhinoceros slash triceratops. Oh, okay. Uh, he's more rhino yep. than triceratops, but he does have the frill, uh, behind his head. Um, he's got little stubby legs, but there's like 10 of them. Um, uh, yeah, so he has one, his chief, his main horn, because he's got like four horns, but one of them is really, really big, and it has a hole at the end, and he can just randomly shoot those like exploding lava rocks, the yeah. same ones that like the family oh, would sometimes slingshot. So anytime you needed like shit destroyed over there, it'd be like, Thundro, shoot that thing over there, and he would go, roar, roar, and he would just fucking destroy it because he's like okay I, I shoot these out of my head i mean they're my they're my brain cells boom <laughs> jesus um, christ dude that's not, that sounds like a liability he's a yeah no he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good good guy to have around to be honest uh and his his True. stumpy legs i i i never liked this i don't think it visually looks cool it's just weird i think they probably just had an episode and they're like uh we keep using gloop and gleep for this thing like let's give tundra a new power and so his his legs could actually stretch out so he could do the Godzilla thing. He could Aww. literally walk on the top of the water mm -hmm. and right. you know, walk be, you know, his legs are down in the Marianas Trench or something. But like, he's, right. Um, that's just kind of a weird thing. Um, but uh, I, th I think did he have a, you know. Oh, yeah, he like he could. Oh, it's so weird. He could spin his head so fast that his horn would become a drill which doesn't make any sense because the oh horn, my god his neck yeah his and his horn doesn't have like the threads so it wouldn't work it'd be like right pencil. um anyway and fast so, enough can go through anything so the final the fifth and final uh best of all of them all of the hercules is zock and he's a friggin laser dragon absolutely my favorite He's just this big ass green dragon. He looks so unique in the world of dragons. He's like, so okay, unique. His his body is just typical sort of dragon body, I guess. But his face is very unique. His eyes are really big. They're cat like, and he's just cute. He's got a badass body, but a really really cute face. You know, he's he's like Chris Helmsworth in that way. But. <laughs> But yeah, so he's he's super awesome. He could he could fly, obviously. So Xandor and whoever would ride on his back all the time, he would save people all the time, and uh, he could also survive in outer space. He was capable of interstellar travel, 
And uh, he could also apparently breathe fire as well, I read. I don't remember him doing that. And sometimes, uh, oh, so his main thing was he would shoot lasers out of his eyes and then the tip of his tail. So usually he would, he would shoot them out of his eyes and then the tail would come up underneath him and he would be flying. And so he had this very strange posture. It was very Zuck. You know, it's like, it doesn't remind me of anything else. Like, this is Zuck. He, his tail is underneath him pointing forward and, and he's shooting three laser beams at once. It really is just a very unique thing. I really visually think it's cool. Uh, and then he had like some other, I had read he had, he had like mega beams and they looked different visually. They weren't like yellow fiery lasers. They were more like, like blue mist sort of look i'm okay. not sure how to do it but um and it's it would only come out of his eyes and um it, its purpose was to like nullify other types of energy so if i assume something like if there's like an energy shield on something he could use his nega beams and it would just like pop just it nullify it that's yeah. my guess that's cool anyway zock rules um, yeah he does so you know the stories okay you know, like like you said, Rich, with uh, Blue Falcon and and Dynamut, it's it's like, is that his name? Did I get the right name right? Dy- Dynamut, Dynamut, yes, Dynamut, Dynamut right. and the Blue Falcon. Yeah. Yep. So he, the, you know, not the best plots here. Like you know, like going back, you know, it's it's <clears throat> it's very visual. This show is one hundred percent eye candy. That's that is why you watch it. Yeah. Um, super light on plot. The thing that I have to still give this show after all these times, because I, I still love the things I loved. I love all the visual stuff. I love the, I love the squad. You know, people talk about their squad. Like, you know, you have your certain team of superheroes that you love and you see a picture of that roster. And it's just like, yeah, like for me, it's like, yeah, the 75 X-Men, like, like there's certain squads that you're like you see them together or some people and are like that with just... the 91 x-men cartoon show or mm-hmm. something like that's their squad you know whatever it is you're like i absolutely love this team this group of characters looks so great together and i don't know for me there just is not a better squad than the herculoids i mean the the three the three barbarian guys are like you know the family pretty typical they're just kind of wearing skimpy clothes and stuff um, but whatever they're, they're always in the front and then you just surround them with these massive, gigantic monsters that are so incredibly different from each other, except for, right. Them, but, um, yeah. just so incredibly different. You got a rhinoceros, a, a gorilla, a dragon, a rhinoceros, uh, oh, just the one rhinoceros I already named him. And then you have the two slimes. There is, there's right. Yeah. The, the two slimes definitely were like, Ooh. These monsters are pretty detailed. Let's make a couple easy ones. <laughs> that's right. that's probably true. And it, and it really like they used gloop and gleep all the time. I'm sure it probably was because they were easy to animate and they were cheap. But yeah, they they could do anything. So they were just they were just really like handy in that way. But so okay, visual stuff 100%. Love the squad. Absolutely adore this also the colors used on all these uh these pulpy 60s hanna-barbera shows are just awesome they're very muted they're not like bright bright colors mm-hmm. i really love the look yeah of all of them including birdman and and space ghost and it's stuff. like faded album artwork in the best way oh my god i i just love the look of these shows i really really just 
love them. Mm-hmm. But um, so there, there actually was a ton of creativity. So think of it this way. So even though the plots were always silly and they repeated themselves, and it's usually involved one of them being kidnapped, who one of them who's not the big strong man, you know, it's either the kid or the wife gets kidnapped. A lot of times that would happen. A lot of a lot of wash, rinse, repeat sort of plots. Yet there's 47 total episodes. There were 47 unique threats for wow. this. Every wow. single time. Th- there was no main villain. They Every right. single freaking time. They're coming up with something, you know, a- anything anything on the show could have been written by Edgar Rice Burroughs. That, that's the other thing I love about this. It is it is like the, the amalgamation of Tarzan and also John Carter and also his uh, Pellucidar stuff. Like it's like the three Edgar Rice Burroughs big like worlds that he created are 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 the Herculoids. Like I swear to God, it's it's unbelievable mm-hmm. how Edgar Rice Burroughs they are. Yeah, but I love that. But yeah, I mean, they're, the the threats. It's not like you know. 8-Bit, you were saying about the Drac Pack. It's like you got so sick of Dr. Dre. Right. I mean, it's like you can only do so much with one bad guy. Right. Yeah. And so many cartoon shows do sent, like are, are, do that. You know, there's like the Shredder was the bad guy in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Years worth of Ninja Turtle episodes. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, they they fought on the Herculoids. They fought things like uh, Angry Bird People, Space Pirates, Androids, Raider Apes, Electrode Men laser lancers whatever they are treasure hunting buccaneers and literally more random monsters you can shake a stick at i mean like uh, one of the ones i watched was called the purple menace and it was actually this uh this plant life that was growing and they woke up and it was just like over there suddenly and it hadn't been before and there were these you know purple vines growing all over everything and they're like oh my god what does it come from and how do we stop it from growing and all this stuff and even though the, the plots are silly that one in particular was was kind of fun because it had a couple of twists like so they 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 find the problem they're like okay purple menace we got to we got to stop it so then they have to get far enough into this like section that's completely overgrown um which is far into it like say like half a mile or something and you know Xandor rides on Zok and he sees this this sort of structure this big bulging tall thing that he's like, oh, that must be where it came from. So Zok, destroy that. And so Zok does. And then the vines shrivel up and die. And they're like, okay, problem solved, right? A couple of days later, they're all back. So that's twist number one. You're like, okay, well, that's, I was wrong. That wasn't actually the source of it. Now we got to keep looking. And then they end up finding there's a, like a crack in the earth somewhere. And there's like exposed a light coming in from from the the core or something i don't know and um and something had landed like i think it was like a meteor or something like that had landed in there and like hatched into this massive thing so they had to actually deal with it there and it was just different you know it's like okay we were wrong about this the episode of the firebird at first they fought the firebird then they realized it was just a mom protecting the egg and then egu had to take the egg out of the volcano and then they they were able to hatch it safely because the problem was if it hatched in the volcano the volcano would have exploded and erupted and then every everything for 100 miles according to xandor would have been destroyed bad news for everyone so involved they hatched it in like the small lava pool conveniently that existed and um and they did and then the firebird comes and 
bird ha- baby hatches and then they fly away and and they even say something like oh it just goes to show you that some things in nature they're they're not evil or something like that and it's like oh is this a teachable moment i don't know I, probably not. <laughs> right uh, maybe uh probably something there um anyway it, it was very creative for 47 episodes um so i did even though 40 47 unique threats there's that i could find i could be wrong about this i think there's only one recurring villain um this character's name is stalak stalak uh appeared in episode three segment b which is called the raiders uh although he went unnamed and honestly his costume looks like the classic toad from the x-men it's like orange and he's got like i don't know tan accents and like a a collar thing that reminds me of toad a little bit or something i don't know but his his he's just an alien with green pointy ears and he's got a stupid helmet he's not cool at all um but apparently he wasn't actually named in that episode but uh he was the same character reappeared again in episode 15 segment a and it was called the return of stalak and uh what happens is, I guess, Star. I, I wish I could have seen this episode, but again, this is one of the originals, and I, I just haven't been able to find any. But Stalak returns to Amzot seeking vengeance and equipped with a with robot duplicates of Igu, Zok, and Tundro. I want to see this episode. <laughs> this sounds awesome. Show it to us. He captures Dorno. Big surprise. That kid should come with a handle. Um, and the others are forced to go to his volcano lair. Uh, the robot duplicates prove no match for the originals, even though the robot Igu can spin at high speeds and has multiple arms and the robot Tundro can fly. Stalak enters a bubble and flees into a, vulca- a volcanic lava hole. And uh, I guess that's the last we see of, uh, of old grumpy Mr. Stalak. But anyway, as I said at the top of the episode, a lot of these shows, including this one, was designed by Alexander Toth. I think he deserves one more mention. And uh, I, I don't know. This is this is definitely really high on my list of classic Hanna Barbera. I do love Space Ghost. I always did, but there's nothing beating the beasts and the monsters and the combination of fantasy and and sci-fi and barbarian stuff and like it's just so weird and it, dinosaurs it and hits it, it checks hits all the boxes yeah yeah and i'm sure that this is the first time i saw those things combined and in that way and like i said i mean i i didn't read specifically that he was inspired by edgar rice burroughs but i i i have to believe that he he absolutely was um it, it just is it's too similar knowing that stuff now um it's just too incredibly similar it's crazy it's not that much tarzan it's really more the pellucidar stuff and um i can't remember what those books are called it's like at the earth's core at the earth's core is the movie they made in the 60s with um with doug mcclure and uh peter cushing and caroline monroe and uh i love that movie i don't know if you remember that one rich by by chance at the earth's yeah core. doug mcclure absolutely um this is it's very similar it's very similar there's barbarians and there's dinosaurs and there's just center of the earth everything's weird the plant life looks strange and 
They probably have the same stupid looking tree houses. I, I don't know. I didn't check. <laughs> anyway, that but has- hey, um, clearly, Steve, this is uh, uh, one that goes into your heart. And uh, I just looked online. You can uh, get the DVD or the Blu-ray both on Amazon or Walmart.com for about 22 to 24 bucks. So yeah, uh, I got to get the Blu-ray. If you need I- to see those episodes, that's the way to go. Absolutely. And I, I, I will do that. I've been I've been meaning to do it. I, I, I want to get this and I want to get Thundar as well. I because I yeah. have Galtar and it just feels like it feels right. I also put Thundercats in that category of barbarians, but sci-fi. I I really think you have yeah. to Thundercats. Yeah, they have to count totally. Um yeah. Uh, but anyway, there might be some more I'm forgetting, but at least at least those four, I would say. Um anyway. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the meat and potatoes of the episode guys. So, um, thank you for sticking with us. We really appreciate it as always. Nice. Um, so before we get out of here, uh, we do have one more little segment to, uh, to drop on your laps before we catch that horizon. So why don't we get right to it? You got your spiked gauntlets. You got your bullet belt. You got your leather jacket and your denim. You got your hairspray. Well, put them on, because it's time for another edition of Power to the Metal. All right, everyone, this is Nintendo, and I am back with the Power to the Metal segment. A little segment where I like to talk about uh, random metal bands that I randomly discovered and just want to share with you guys, because I think they're, they're cool. So this next band is called War Kings. They are a uh, international band from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. They are a power metal band, and their main lyrical themes is Spartans and anything Greek mythology and all that fun stuff. And uh, they have four albums out. The first one is called Reborn, which came out in 2018, and then Revenge in 2020, Revolution in 2021, and recently this year they released an album called Morgana. Honestly, these guys are really cool, really heavy, soaring vocals. If you love that kind of thing, if you like the 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 doubly kickies and and the the triply triplies, Falesto screamings and <laughs> all the the war war crying and and all that stuff, it's called, <laughs> this band is for you for sure. The vocal it's called Felesto. It's it's called oh, Felicio, Joe. Felicio. Oh, okay. I thought I was. I can't believe you were pronouncing that. I can't believe you were time. My my whole life has been a lie. Yes. I I thought it was. So it's 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 War Kings. War Kings. Yes. It's a War King title. Ah. But don't. Right again. And their songs are all about Greek mythology. That is a different. That is a different angle for sure. Yes. Neat. Yep. So I think these guys are really cool. The first album is my most favorite one out of the four, but they're all really good. Cool. So I highly recommend you guys to check them out. Nice. War Kings. War Kings. Very cool. Wah! Thank you for that. That power to the metal. I always love those. I always love finding new stuff new stuff to put in my ear holes hope you guys do too check out war kings um uh, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here uh we're right re- you know we're, we're the clock is running down but uh rich man thank you so much for coming on this journey with us it was super fun i hope you had yeah. a good time 
Absolutely. Thank you for thanks, sus- thanks for having me, guys. I yeah. really appreciate it. I had a good time, and uh, we found another uh, dorkening multiverse here. You know, there is another universe besides my one that is in my head. Mm-hmm. The dorkverse. <laughs> I got to expose to that tonight. So thank you, gentlemen. And uh, if you liked what you heard from me, you guys can check me out. Like I said, uh, every Tuesday night live on Splash Pages. YouTube or wherever you like your favorite dorkening podcasts, wherever you find them. Um, or they also simulcast it live on dead dork radio. Um, so yeah, check, check me out. Uh, you can also find me. I'm rich Davis on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. I'm velvet joker 2021. Or if you're on the TikTok, I'm velvet joker one where I've been, uh, learning video editing, which has been a lot of fun. So, uh, thanks nice. for having me guys. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, man. And thank you for the uh, subject as well. You know, that was, that was great. We, we did all this because of you, man. Thank so you. That's thank pretty you. Cool. It was a great time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, something, a little, little something else about Mr. Mr. Rich Davis, you have, you have been cosplaying as one character since the eighties. You told me. Yes, sir. Um, the, uh, as the Joker, as uh... <laughs> So I'm uh, rather famous for my laughs and the cons. Um, there good. are brilliant creators uh, that actually hate me because of my laugh. Um, <laughs> and, and they're warned about me. So, uh, yeah, I, I built a reputation for 30 some odd years. But at this point, I'm more focused on uh, trying to evolve into my Velvet Joker persona. For many years, I was the Connecticut Joker or the CT Joker. Oh. Um, yeah, and you could probably find uh, tons of pictures um, on either my Facebook or my Instagram that show all that kind of stuff. Nice. nice. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. You're a hell of a Joker cosplay. I mean, absolutely. Just you, you really just have the face for it, man. Like it's, it's one of those perfect, perfect things. It's yeah, kismet. I, I, well, I, I see the Joker even as a different person as most people do in the comics. Um, I always see the Joker and Harley as two characters that are just, they're kind of zany and they don't really have a great grip on reality. But they're just trying to have a good time. And Batman is like the abusive cop. And uh, he's just there to ruin our fun. So um, I'm, not the bad the guy. I'm not the bad guy in my universe. Batman right. is the bad guy. So so I guess I just got to ask you, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Joker for you know, performance, live action or any, any performance at all? It's not the first time Steve has been asked, but I, I like almost every rendition of the Joker. Um, I mean, Mark Hamill definitely strikes a chord in my heart. He's, he's one of my favorites because of the voice and, and how iconic he's been over the years, but they all bring something to the table. Um, Heath Ledger is, at the, I, I'm sorry. Um, not Heath Ledger. Um, Spencer's Joker. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, well, I just said, Jack Nicholson, I offered up, but you said no, Spencer. no. I, uh, I want to call him the Spencer's Joker. Um, that was in the original Suicide Squad. Jared Leto, thank you. Oh, Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he is my definitely my least favorite Joker. Oh, um, that's that's. Uh, I, and and, and you know, I don't that, know if that was because he ended up a lot on the cutting room floor, but he in general rubs me the wrong way. So right, um, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I I did get to meet Cesar Romero as a small child. My my oh, grandfather wow. had a um a suit store and haberdashery in the lower east side of manhattan oh my god really? and um cool and a lot of his um clientele were gangsters and actors and oh. one day i was there on like a saturday or sunday making suit boxes for like a nickel a piece and uh in walks fucking cesar romero with like his assistant to pick up some suits and, wow uh, 
he ended up giving me, unfortunately, long since gone, he ended up giving me a picture of himself that was signed. And oh, uh, damn. that was probably my first really love in incantation with the Joker. And yeah. uh, but it took till Jack Nicholson's performance for me to actually start wearing the clothes. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, this character wow. has been intrinsic to you for a long time. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It, it's meant a lot to me. And uh, Caesar's really the king, and he really brought something special to it, even though it was really campy. Um, he brought yeah. like. A, a, a mania that was that was fun and at the same time sinister mm. yeah he, he was more the clown you know he he played up the the clown part of the clown prince of crime you know so many iterations now is just they're they're dealing with the pathos the psychosis the you know the madness of the joker and uh i think that's why people love mark hamill's performance so much which is definitely why i do is because he was able to do both um, and, and Cesar Romero was a fun, funny Joker. You don't usually laugh with the Joker, like even Heath Ledger, like is, I'm not laughing with him. He's not really funny. I right. want the Joker right. to actually be funny. I want to laugh. I want to feel bad about laughing after, but you know what I mean? I think, um, yeah, no, I, I, I love Cesar Romero's Joker. Um, but in, in the comics, now one of the best Joker storylines, in my opinion, is the White Knight series, oh. uh, where Joker um, turns the, the the tales on Batman. He actually cures himself and shows the world that Batman is the bad guy, and um, it, it's a really great series. And I, I, I've heard recently they uh, uh, did a continuation of it that I have not read yet, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to read. And a lot oh, of the spinoff sounds- stories. A lot of the spinoff stories from the White Knight are really also like one-off spinoff stories are great. With this, like one with like Harley Quinn, like Harley Quinn is like really like a genius, so they really focus on that because a lot of times she gets dumbed down, but she's a genius, and uh, this storyline really brings that out. So um, I highly encourage you guys to check out the White Knight uh, Joker series. Very cool. We got a a splash pages recommendation for a comic book series. I mean, that's that's. From the from the Velvet Joker himself, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and again, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was great. All right, thanks, Rich. Thanks so much. All right, guys. I think I'll take us out. Uh, that wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and or Twitter. If you haven't uh, quit Twitter uh, yet, uh, uh, you probably have. As well as being part of the Inebriard Podcast Network, Retro Octopus is a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister, sister shows like Splash Pages, Epic Tales from the Sewers, The Wicked Horror Show, Shark Bites, Super Retro Throwback Reviews, and so many more. There are over 40 shows on the network, and they are putting out content all the time, weekly, daily, hourly. There's plenty of fun stuff to go listen to and put in your ear holes and your eyeballs and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, also uh, thanks to Dudley Grounds Coffee for for being a pal. Mm. And uh, as always, you know, just being a pal. We just just thanks for being a pal. That's all. I Thank, thank you, you for, for being, being a, friend. a pal. Yeah. They, your coffee to die for. And I appreciate you, Dudley Grounds Coffee. But visit thedorkening.com and check out our shows and go buy coffee. It, you know, coffee, bags of coffee make great stocking stuffers. You can be terrible at stuffing a stocking, 
and just throw one bag of Deadly Grounds coffee in that stocking, and uh, you're almost done. Are we sponsored by Christmas? Yes. Okay. Okay. Also, Retro Doctor's official podcast sponsor of Official podcast of Christmas. Sponsor. I have have been your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve and Destruction, though nobody calls me that, and it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here. Good night. (laughs) 